Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Polar Plunge, I hear you reporting on. Polar Plunge in less than an hour, yes. Now, we've been reporting on this kind of event for years and years here on the Sunday show. And uh, who was it? Uh, what was the, re- the reporter? Was it Courtney? Courtney. Courtney, Courtney Spinelli. Spinelli yeah. mm-hmm. uh, referred to the people going in the water as the plungers. <laughs> <laughs> it never occurred to me. But. <laughs> well, not the most kind of fl- makes sense, though. Not the most flattering, flattering oh, term. It, yeah, it's, it makes complete sense. <laughs> just, just never thought of it that way before. <laughs> There's nobody famous plunging this year, right? I haven't heard of any uh, high-profile people out there. Because in the past, haven't we had Lady Gaga do it? Lady Gaga did it. We had Vince Vaughn doing it. Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon. Fallon. Yeah, Jimmy right. Fallon. I remember the look on his face yeah. coming out of the water. The yeah. picture of just absolute doesn't, stunned. Doesn't seem like t- this morning would be that bad of a day to do it. No, because it's uh, kind of mild, it's, mild it's out. But mild. you know that water is going to be mighty cold. Let me see if I can find the water temperature. Oh, here, here. we go. Love statistics. (laughs) What's the barometric pressure right now? Barometric pressure right now is, uh, let's see, well, the dew point is now at 31. Relative humidity is 85. Barometric pressure, 30.24 and rising. I love a good dew point. (laughs) Who doesn't, right? Who doesn't? (laughs) What's the water temperature? I can't find it. (laughs) It's cold. Oh, uh, let's see here. Uh, Um... No, I can't find okay. it. It shows yet. over at 1 o'clock. That's okay. you got plenty of time. I'll find it by then. We have plenty of time. No, I'll find it by then. Haven't we said that we should go do the polar plunge? Haven't we said that more than once? Yes, I think we have. I think we ought to do the whole show out there. This, that would I be cool. love that North Avenue Beach house, that boat like. Oh, cool. That is such a cool place. I noticed all Morning, these, Andy. All these Morning. tents uh, that were set up on the beach when I was driving in today. And I, I wondered what was going on. I, di- I didn't know that the the plungers were out there uh, until <laughs> I heard the report just now. We so, should do the show there next year for this. We missed out on opportunity this year. We could have been the most famous ones there because <laughs> there's no celebrities there at all. I want to see you do it. <laughs> I would do it. I want to see you do it. I would do it. I would. I would. That would be a lifelong goal to see you do that. What do that. you mean? That's a lifelong just goal. to watch you go in and come running what? out. <laughs> Why would I be any more cold than you? You wouldn't be. You're more fragile than I am. <laughs> I will. I would love to do it, but only. If we could, the three of us could dress up in those Three Stooges bathing oh, suits. Oh, bathing suits. Oh, yeah. Those 1930s bathing suits, the one piece that the, uh, the men used to wear. That would be, yeah, okay. That we can do. That we can do. And, and then, the, one of us says, Molary Cheese. I'm <laughs> right. not sure which one that would Molary the Cheese. No, no, that would be you. Welcome back to the boat of you. Same old place. Yeah. Swanee on vacation last week, and uh, Andy. Andy going on the DL last week. You know, Dean, I made it almost three years without uh, getting affected by COVID, but uh, it 
Got me. Well, better late than never. Yeah, I guess so. Late to the party, but I, I'm in the party now. Uh, uh, how bad was it? Well, it was. Uh, it, it came to pretty much to a head uh, Saturday night. How did you know? How did you know that something? Did you I just s- feel like you were getting a cold? Yeah, I just felt like you know. You know usually, I get sinus infections, so I, I, it's hard for me to tell. Sometimes, I, you know, who knows? I may have had it already and, and not even known it. But this one just felt a little different. And figured, you know what? We've got some home tests. Why not? And I tested, and sure enough, it uh, gave me the two bars, and it was positive. And uh, yeah, that's not a nice feeling when you're no, it's not. You're waiting you know that think? fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a long fifteen minutes, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but Sunday, yeah, last Sunday, I think I might have been awake for an hour the entire day. <laughs> it, it it was incredible how much sleep uh, I, I got, and. It was like one of the worst head cold sinus infections I think I've ever yeah, experienced. That, it was it was bad. That's how when I, the first time I'm I'm, I'm in the two time club with mm. it, but the first time that I had it, that's how I was. That's exactly how I was. Yeah. That it was like the worst cold and flu I had ever had in my life, and uh, th- those were in the pre vaccine days. COVID classic, as I like to call it. <laughs> but I'm glad you're doing better. Melina's yeah, okay. You didn't spread it to good, yeah. Uh, Otis, maybe she had dog, it first. Who knows? Oh, give it yeah, to your dog I, at all? The dog is is good. He's he's fine. Very he good. was taking care of both of us. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Shwani was on vacation last week. Where it was 81 degrees. Oh, here we go. A week yeah. ago, Thursday. Here we go. Good old Shakaquan. <laughs> it was very nice in Shakaquan, Virginia, I can tell you. 81 degrees. Sat outside. How much free stuff did you get? How much free stuff? Walking around, (laughs) dropping that you work at WGN at every shop. I'll mention you on the radio. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you know, I'm uh, the news anchor of a very popular uh, (laughs) Sunday morning show. First of all, I did not do that, and Gilda will attest to that. I did not do it. Mm-hmm. But we took advantage of the many fine eateries that are in and around Occoquan and Woodbridge, Virginia. Here we go. Which which one would that be? Oh, let's start with Uncle Julio's. Wait, Uncle Julio's like the Mexican place yes. that we have here? Yes. It's, it was. I had some of the best chicken fajitas at Uncle Julio's that uh, were wonderful. Yeah, come on. Franchise then, places? No, this was really a wonderful place. I'm to sure. Uh, but it's the same as the Uncle Julio's It here. may be. I'm not sure. It may be. I don't uh, like that don't when know. you go to, on vacation someplace and all you can find are restaurants that you can get at home. Well, now then we went to a wonderful establishment, Madigan's, which is on the Occoquan River. and Madigan's? Madigan's. Hmm. Uh, Madigan's on the waterfront. Madigan's at the Harlem Irving Plaza. It's not the same one. At the hip. <laughs> clothing store at the hip delicious back of the day it's where i used to buy cakes. my bell bottoms <laughs> bell bottoms and the the shirts with the my puffed fl- out sleeves my flare collars and the yep. and the paisley shirts yep. <laughs> absolutely then we excellent went, and then we went cakes. to Weebolts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so wait this madigan's place it's like a family restaurant it's a family restaurant okay. and they uh, have a, they have a wonderful outdoor setting uh, that you uh, can uh, enjoy almost year round uh-huh. look out on the river and the crab cakes are wonderful yeah. just wonderful how much are they i don't remember yeah cuz he got them for free <laughs> Did not yeah. get them when you for don't pay free. for something you don't remember the price <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm a very famous broadcaster from Chicago. Uh, here, I'm doing... Oh, yeah, I'm doing... Did I mention I'm doing a restaurant review of your place, Mr. Madigan? <laughs> and we went to Gilda's favorite restaurant for her birthday, The Secret Garden. Ooh. Fabulous fine dining. Really? Mm-hmm. What'd you have there? I had their freshly grilled salmon mm. with a mango salsa. Lovely. It was delicious. Not to mention... How much did that cost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know because he didn't pay. Three ninety nine. dollars <laughs> Oh, it's a little more than that. Yeah, this is Shrawnee at the table. I guess we have to leave a tip. Yeah, you want... They comp the whole dinner. I guess we have to leave a tip. <laughs> you want pizza? You got some We've singles, got Gilda? <laughs> We have pizza too. Third base pizza. Third, third base pizza. Flatbread pizza is huh. wonderful. Huh. And I do not remember how much it costs. Of course not. Of course you don't. <laughs> Wouldn't expect you to. Those moths that were in your wallet when you left here are still there. I heard the creaking from here. <laughs> exactly. Andy was in his COVID coma and he even still I heard, heard it. it. Yes. <laughs> Have you had any appetite, uh, Andy, while you've been going through all this? You didn't lose your taste or smell or anything like that? No, I did not. Uh, I, the first couple of days, I didn't eat much at all. I think it was uh, pretty much soup. But now I'm good. Oh, good. You're back to normal. Yeah, back to normal. Uh, it was, it was a, a couple, three, you know, three days worth of yeah. uh, a lot of... Uh, it, it was hard for three days, and then after that, it started to loosen up. Yeah, well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you're uh, feeling better. I'm glad yeah, thanks. it didn't spread. Shwani, we're glad you're back. We had quite the uh, quite the Sunday last week. Yeah, it was a surprise to uh, hear that Andy, Andy was out. Andy uh, went, uh, the, I guess, came in. Did you you recorded something and then, yeah. and then left last? Yeah, because it was such a late late notice kind of thing. I didn't want to leave you guys without right. uh, without sports, so I managed to get up and record yeah. a couple, and then uh, producer went to bed. producer Jack was ready to uh, take over. I, I could have keep, done it too. If I were you, I would keep an eye on him. He's not here. Today, I usually do. Yeah. So we can we can talk about him uh, openly. Uh, but producer Jack, uh, he's gunning for your position. Definitely. You know, most of them are, which is fine. <laughs> but uh, you know, Jack's a good man, and uh, he helped out on the the, the Blackhawks broadcast I was involved with last night. He so he, was, he uh, offered his uh, hockey expertise last week when we were looking at Patrick Kane and all the rumors were uh, oh, yeah. going going around last week. He jumped right in. I think at one point he said, I can cover this way better than Andy. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> How come you, you gotta, never you asked for my confidence. sports expertise? You weren't here. Oh. And yeah. you don't have any. And it would have been fine. Everything <laughs> would have been fine. You, you have know? as much as I have. <laughs> <laughs> what good are yeah. you and I if a sports story breaks out? You and I, we, could, we couldn't even fill 20 seconds <laughs> of our expertise. Yeah, what a crazy week, though, huh? with, uh, with crazy, the Hawks. Crazy. Crazy. I can't believe it. I still can't believe that I, I, I'm watching Patrick Kane in a uh, in a blue in a Rangers, uh, Rangers sweater yeah. there, and it's just uh, it's it's off putting a little bit, but but you get it, yeah. understand it. Yeah, it's like other, other you know uh, athletes who are associated with their time in Chicago, who have gone to other teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know similar kind of thing. Yeah, the most jarring ever though to me is is Michael Jordan in a Wizards. John, Michael uniform. Jordan. I was thinking yeah. of uh, Ron Santo. Yeah, Santo in the, in the White Sox we uniform. We went to the South Side. To the I mean, yeah. I know you know you know some people will remember him uh, strictly as a as a White Sox, but mm-hmm. Ronnie's you know as a player, Ronnie's claim to fame 
on the north side. Correct. So to see him in another uniform was strange. A little jarring, yeah, but uh, it's, it's, it's all part of the master plan that uh, is being executed right now up there at, uh, uh, at, at Blackhawks camp. And you got to give them credit for, for being pretty candid about what they were going to do and then actually doing it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, time marches on. Yep. One day, young Jack, producer, will be in charge of this whole show. You know, he'll have yes, to he be called Jack, uh, Jack uh, Heinrich Sunday, Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. We'll all be kicked out of here. I don't think he would do that, though. Except Shwani. Shwani will stay. I'll, I'll be it, here. I have a newsroom to run. I'll be here. You have a newsroom to run. Yes, he does. I got a comment, uh, Shwadi. You still have your I voted sticker on your... Uh, yes. On his members only is jacket. your coat? Is that yeah, That is right. Well, you know the election's over, right? Yes. It's been but over I for left, about a week. I left it on because I knew you would make fun of me. Ask him which election that's from. <laughs> uh, 1987. <laughs> it's his tribute to Jimmy Carter. <laughs> 1987. <laughs> it does look pretty kind of like ratty, too. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I did this on purpose. How long will you leave that sticker on? Oh, until it just kind of slides off and I can't stick it on the coat anymore. It's a big sticker this election, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, bigger than usual. They're not usually that they, large. They were uh, handing them out it's as like you... A, yeah, I got one. You, you got one. Okay, got well, one. why aren't you wearing yours? Because the election's over and I don't <laughs> want to look like a dork like you. <laughs> See, I didn't get one. I voted by mail. I was you going, still should have gotten one. Yeah, yeah I think they. I think the by with uh, the by mails they sent it to you with your ballot. Yeah, it's a. It's not a sticker though. I think it is. I have it right here. Check the check the peeling. Oh, you know what it is. That's, yeah. Holy mackerel! That's that's news that I can use. There you go. <laughs> All right, I have it right here. Well, for those of you who want to look now, like where you on this morning? Where put it on, Andy? I'm gonna put mine on. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> like an athlete that's uh, modeling a, a different brand of yeah. clothing that they actually speak for. I can put the sticker over the logo here. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, kids of all ages, it's time once again for America's favorite feature, the far-flung forecast, our weekly compendium of fascinating facts and figures and here to present it to us once again live and in person in studio dave i voted schwan (laughs) yes i did thank you very much dean good morning everyone and get out your compasses and protractors because today we go down south to i'm not kidding ding dong texas (laughs) excuse me (laughs) is there really a yes Ding Dong, Texas, Ding population dong. 22. Huh. It is on the Farm to Market Road. Farm to Market Road. It's uh, south of just Killeen, getting better and Texas. better as we go along. <laughs> Don't you want to know the story as to how of this community, this bustling community, received its name? Cancel the rest of the programming on the show <laughs> to make room for this. It was started in the early 1930s because uh, a man named Zulus Bell and his what's nephew... Wait, what's his first name? Zulus. Z-U-L-I-S. Zulus. Zulus Bell. No zoo. And his nephew, Bert. <laughs> they operated a country store on uh, the uh, farm-to-market road, and they wanted a sign painted 
for the the uh, store that they were running. Well, of course, their last name being Bell, the person that painted the sign got a little creative and uh, painted a bell on either side of the uh, name of uh, the Bell's Country Store. An actual so, bell. Hence, yes, an actual, an actual, and hence the name Ding Dong was born. <laughs> Ding Dong is a population of 22 people, as we say, on the Farm to Market Road, South of Killeen in Bell County, Texas. So aside from the hilarious anecdote, which you have just now told us. Is there some, and they voted two down there, by the way. I'll bet they're still not wearing their little <laughs> ding-dong stickers walking around town. Hey, what was the guy's name? Uh, the Zulus. Hey, Zulus. Hey, Zulus, who'd you vote for? Zulus and Bert Bell. I don't know, Bert. Who'd you vote for? <laughs> Zulus. Is that near Twinkie, Texas? By the way, uh, got ding dong. Right, right near. It's right yeah. uh, not far from Little Debbie, Georgia, and then just east of Ho Ho. Exactly. <laughs> ding dong, Texas. Is there some famous person from Ding Dong? Uh no, there isn't really uh, that I know of here. Um, well, yes, there was one here. Um, a fiddler, from Zulus. A, a violin player that is in the group Sons of the Pioneers. Hugh Farr was born in Ding Dong. Wow. <laughs> so on this Sunday morning, Ding Dong, Texas has. Yeah, quite a- 55 degrees under sunny skies. He's been waiting. He's been waiting for hours and hours oh, yeah. to play oh, that sound effect. No, you'll part. like this one too, Dean. Avon calling. <laughs> How many different doorbell sounds do you have? Just those two. <laughs> 55 degrees under sunny skies. It's a nice day in Ding Dong, Texas. Hello. Hello. <laughs> That's us uh, out. That's us out at the beach. That's going to be yeah. us out at the beach. <laughs> out at the beach when wearing a polar plunge, the polar plunge show, wearing our Three Stooges, nineteen <laughs> thirties bathing suits, and I'll have a big inner tube around me. Also, we're going to have to come up with a routine when we're out there. Too, oh, I think it. I think we've got think, a routine down. Yes, <laughs> you know the old Niagara Falls routine. <laughs> <laughs> Niagara Falls. Slowly, I turned. This is Dean Richards Sunday morning. And once again, we say hello to Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. And uh, a welcome back to you also, uh, doctor, after uh, being out last week with uh, Shawnee was out last week. Andy was out last week. You were out last week. I was I was the, the lone man standing around here last week. I hope yours was just a, a little vacation or something. Well, someone has to work, Dean. If the, if the rest of us are gone, yep. someone's got to be there to push the button. Yeah, so. someone had to yeah, be I'll, here. I was here at my appointed post. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, we we got we got by. Uh, uh, I hope you're doing well. You heard that uh, Andy uh, was out with COVID last week. Was he really? Yeah. I didn't hear that. Andy, are you there? Are you yes. still there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He uh, ex- explain uh, explain your deal for uh, Doctor Most. Yeah, doctor, it was uh, it was strange because uh, last Saturday I felt like I was getting a sinus infection, which I get uh, quite often with my allergies and bad sinuses. But this one felt a little different, so I uh, decided to test uh, here at home, and uh, it uh, it came back positive. And all day Sunday, I was I was asleep pretty much the entire day, and uh, it just was one of, like the worst head cold uh, uh, sinus infection I think I've ever had. 
Andy, did you end up taking medication for it? Did you get on Paxlovid or did you I, tough it out? No, I got on Paxlovid. Uh, my doctor was okay. pretty quick, uh, pretty quick to that. And the only thing that I could, the only thing I could say about Pax, I can say two things about Paxlovid. It was great because it did knock it out, but it leaves such a bad taste in your mouth. Oh. <laughs> Swallowing nickels. Yeah, it's that yeah. Uh, metallic mm. taste that really, that, uh, some people stop taking it because of the side effects of the taste, but uh, certainly it's a very good drug and has really helped us quite a bit. So glad you're uh, back to healing. And uh, aren't you supposed to be at spring training? Uh, you know that's that's uh, that's another thing we have to talk about uh, with with others about the powers that be. We need to talk to them about that. Well, now does he need to stay in isolation, uh, doctor, for a while? Do you mean like until spring training's over or, or <laughs> just like <laughs> or in until, Arizona until after the World Series? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, since he's been fully treated and it's, it's, it sounds like it's been at least a week, uh, you know, you're, he's good to go. So, and Andy, what was your vaccination status? You were completely up to date. Oh, yeah, completely up to date. Yep. Yeah. Because people, some people on the text line, this is amazing to me that every time we still bring up COVID for some reason, there's a handful of people, uh, I don't know if it's the same people or not, that are they're still anti-vax, anti-everything uh, regarding it. Uh, somebody this morning <laughs> going, uh, I thought the shots worked. You, you didn't have COVID. Uh, you know, and how many times do we have to say the, sh- the shots don't eliminate COVID? It eliminates you having to go into the hospital because of covid or or dying because of covid like we had in the beginning of the whole thing how many times do we have to repeat that jeez you know dean it's interesting because they do they think that this vaccine is more like measles and the boy when i got my measles vaccine i'm not going to get the measles well certainly that's true but it is it's much more like the influenza vaccine right it shortens the duration of illness and the Paxlovid is just like Tamiflu. It's going to shorten that duration. So these viruses change all the time. And certainly we we are really on a decent downtrend. Yesterday, or excuse me, last week in the hospital, we had 40 viral patients in the hospital at any uh, given time last week. And about 27, 28 of them were still COVID patients that were still hospitalized, the vast majority of them being totally unvaccinated. Mm. Very interesting. Uh, Interesting uh, news came out this week uh, regarding COVID and uh, whether or not it started in a lab in China. Uh, You know, how how people were reacting to it back then, how they were reacting to the news that it was, you know, could have been unleashed by uh, the Chinese government, how it could have accidentally come out and all i could think of while i was hearing all this news during the week was uh, we didn't know what we were dealing with in the beginning of this right i mean how, how do you feel about all this yeah i mean we really didn't we had no clue um you know we we got the genetic sequencing of it done very very quickly which allowed us to start working on a vaccine very quickly but we were i mean it felt um I don't want to say bad, but it really felt like, okay, we weren't sure what was going on. So our stories changed every week. Do we mask? Do we not mask? What do we do? And, you know, there was a lot of confusion, and we lost a lot of confidence in both the CDC and the FDA during that time, and hopefully that confidence has come back. But certainly, you know, where it came from um, is important because if it was a virus that was trying to be weaponized, okay, well, 
they didn't want it to get out because they're getting impacted just as big. But if this would have been one of those where it got out and all of a sudden the Chinese had vaccines already made, then we'd have some concerns. But looking back, it's uh, good that we had the ability to sequence it quickly, work on it quickly. It just showed the resiliency of the, the pharmaceutical industry here in the United States to be able to work as quickly as it could to get a vaccine out. Yeah, but so many people who were saying, you know, that there was such an overreaction uh, to this whole thing are, are now saying, well, see, it was an over, you all overreacted to uh, all of this. You know, th- tell that to the families who lost loved ones uh, to COVID, that there was an overreaction to it. I mean, the medical uh, community, healthcare workers, people who were working tirelessly, were doing everything they could to keep people alive during the early stages of all of this. And I think erring on the side of caution was, to, in my opinion, was the correct thing to do. Clearly, uh, you're telling me that people are still not vaccinated. They, clearly, a lot of people feel very differently than I do on it. Well, and those that aren't vaccinated and are still getting to a point of needing hospitalization just shows us that this is still a virus we shouldn't mess around with. But people that say, oh, see, look, at this was no big deal, have to understand that without this vaccine, we would have had millions of more deaths, yeah. millions. And and the, the vaccine protected so many people, especially the seniors, the immunocompromised, those with other risk factors that they might want to make fun of it and say, hey, look, at this was nothing. But if this is one of those, let's turn back the clock and not have a vaccine would have been much more devastating than it already was. Yeah, or, or let's not wear masks, or let's not be careful, let's not uh, isolate ourselves. Uh, the, the results would have been much worse. So um, it, it's, just, it's just interesting, since this news came out about China this week, how the, the, the politi- politicalization of uh, the whole thing that we've been dealing with for the last three years, you know, flared up again. And now there apparently there is some news that there could be a home uh, test uh, different than the one that we can do with a little swabbing at home now, right? Yeah, you know, when when all this happened, and you remember the lines for COVID testing and the inability to get the test done because there were so few tests available, what I think that did is it just opened the eyes for all of us to say, why do we have people come in for influenza testing as well? If we can make this COVID test as simple to be able to be done at the home, why don't we for influenza? And the importance of it is just like Andy, you know, he kind of unpacks a little bit early. Well, if someone has influenza and then they try to get into their doctor's office or they go for their emergency room visit and sit in the emergency room for quite some time, all we're really doing is delaying the treatment of that. So just last week, you know, the FDA approved a home test that will test for both COVID and influenza. People got sick. They'd say, oh, I got to see if I have COVID. Well, I don't have COVID. Well, then what do I have? Well, this will now allow us to identify earlier cases of influenza, treat them earlier, and slow the spread. So um, that's probably, it's pretty cool, I think, you know, and from an insurance point of view, um, I'm sure insurance companies hopefully will pick this up or will get the cost down to a point where it's reasonable. But this will save people the aggravation of having to go to the doctor's office for a simple test, as well as getting on the medication much quicker, which will make the impact of both illnesses shorter. Yeah, it's, I, I don't want to say that there was an upside to COVID, but I guess, you know, if if there is, we, we learned to do our own self-testing at home during COVID. 
telehealth, teleappointments, you know, with our physicians, with healthcare professionals became much more uh, common uh, then. And I think that's a positive thing, too. I I don't mind uh, when I've had to go to the doctor, you know, since uh, going through everything that we went through with the pandemic. I I don't mind. I would sort of prefer doing it on the phone, uh, you know, and doing a, a Zoom visit. Uh, rather than going down to where all the sick people are in the doctor's yeah. office. Oh, yeah. I mean, telehealth really, is, like you said, the good things that came out of COVID. One is how fast can we make a good, solid vaccine? How can we do home testing? And like you said, the telehealth, which has just exploded with growth. Now, the interesting that as the emergency authorization wears off, the the administration right now is looking at, hey, we need to control some of these uh, telehealth visits, and they are going to cut back a little bit on individuals who are getting opioids uh, through telehealth and some other medications that they're saying, you know what, it was great when we really needed it, but we still have this epidemic of opioid use and other drug uh, drug abuse. So we're going to, hey, we'll say you can have your first telehealth, and they can give you 30 days. But after that, you need to have a face-to-face with the doctor. So it'll be very interesting to see how that impacts mental health as well as pain health um, and and how it works out. Uh, Let me uh, put the phone number out there for questions for Dr. Kevin Most regarding anything COVID-related or not. If you have other health uh, questions, concerns, 312-981-7200 is always is our telephone number and also the same number for text 312-981-7200 uh, and here's one from 815 saying uh, with all this talk now about uh, covid and vaccines i'm wondering if i should get an updated covid vaccine my last one was in november now i was actually wondering about this myself because i think if a couple of weeks ago kev you talked about how some of us might be getting emails saying uh, that we might be due for a vaccination something i got one of those emails saying that uh i i might need to check with my healthcare professionals to make sure i'm up to date uh you know since the worst part of this apparently is over what what do we do with vaccines now do we still go in for regular maintenance or uh, what's the the advice yeah, it, it's very interesting because immunocompromised individuals, seniors, you know, your physician may say, hey, you know what, I want to give you a booster. Um, and we have to, the other biggest thing we have to understand with COVID is it's not like influenza, right? Influenza, we have an influenza season. We expect that to begin in the fall and we expect it to go through, you know, probably the end of this month. With COVID, that didn't happen at all, right? COVID just says, hey, you know what, wherever I'm going to change, I'm going to pop up. It can be in June. It can be in December. It can be any time. If you remember, late in the fall, or excuse me, late in the summer was when we had this last big surge. So certainly COVID, we're going to have to look at differently. We talked about having vaccines together, influenza and COVID, put them in one shot. Well, if we do that, then we have to figure out the timing of when we're going to give that shot. Because, like I said, COVID doesn't have the seasonality that influenza does. But certainly the government um, has definitely kept great track of who's been vaccinated and who has not. And certainly we'll send you potentially a text reminder saying, hey, you may be due for a COVID vaccine. And please follow up with your physician to see. Now, some physicians didn't do the best, I will say, in uh, documenting and putting, making sure that those were in the National Data Bank. 
So the doc, you may get in and the doc says, oh, no, no, you're fine. You know, you've been boosted. Don't worry about it. Others will say, hey, you know, with your um, health status, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to get a booster here. So check with your doctor, but certainly COVID has not gone away. And as Andy can easily tell you, it doesn't feel good when you have it. So anything you do to protect ourselves is key. Yeah. 312-981-7200 is the number. Jim, you're on the air with Dr. Kevin Most. Hi. Good morning. I think my question goes right along with what you just talked about was, I was curious when Andy had had his bivalent booster, because if he got it when it originally came out back in September, we're at the six-month time frame here, which is probably when we need another booster. So uh, what, are, what are we thinking here? Can we do it or can we not? I know CDC hasn't said that, but is there any reason not to do it? Yeah, Jim, you know, and what you're saying is you got to remember how early we are in all of this, right? The bivalent just came out in the fall, and we're still trying to figure out, does that last longer? So people like Andy are actually great test models for us. Sorry, Andy, to be the, you know, the, the test monkey. But, <laughs> Make um, you a guinea pig, it, yeah. Yeah, but it is important because as we see, if we start to see another little bump here, that's certainly getting a booster is going to be appropriate. There's going to be nothing wrong with getting a booster. So you can talk to your doctor and certainly, you know, see. Um, but we haven't proven yet that the booster is needed on top of the bivalent. But like you said, we're hitting this six-month time frame from when it was first uh, out. So we are going to start to look. Are we starting to see more breakthrough cases where people were fully vaccinated and yet still got a case? So time will tell here and probably over the next couple of months. Yeah, Jim, thank you for the call. Appreciate that. And let's go to Ginger. Ginger, you're on with Dr. Kevin Most. Good morning, everybody. Hey, I have a real, maybe not quick, but I have a, a two-fold question. Uh, which kidney dialysis between the going in for three hours of the peritoneal, um, I think I said that right, type of dialysis is more preferred and which one is easiest to travel with if that makes sense <laughs> uh, both questions do make sense ginger and, and it's very interesting so she's asking about dialysis this is obviously um, a question about kidney failure so kidneys really do a great job of filtering out stuff that we need to be filtered out. And when we have kidney failure, we need to go on dialysis so that a machine does that. Now, peritoneal dialysis is interesting. Peritoneal dialysis, the peritoneum is essentially where all your organs are and kind of an open space here in your stomach. And fluid is pushed in there and taken out. And that's how the dialysis, that's how it works. So it's interesting that it's not actually into the bloodstream like regular dialysis where you're hooked up to a dialysis machine, and often peritoneal dialysis can be done overnight, so it can be done at other times, and, and certainly um, can be done in the home. Whereas kidney dialysis, you're actually going to a kidney dialysis um, site. You have a, a, what we call a shunt put in your arm so that they can access that, and they circulate your blood through it and, and do the filtering for you. As far as travel, Neither one of them is, is super easy. I guess it really depends on um, how good your, uh, how well connected your nephrologist is to say, okay, you want to go to Charleston and you're going to be down there during the time you need dialysis. Let me check if we have a DaVita dialysis down there, a Persinius dialysis. So they're two large companies to see if we can set something up down there. 
or potentially be able to do your peritoneal dialysis by yourself. So two different ways for dialysis, um, but uh, certainly probably the one that's the most um, labor-intensive or really need, more importantly, is the one with the machine uh, where it's actually going through your blood, and that would be at a dialysis center wherever you're going to travel to. I had no idea that that sort of thing was even portable. I don't, I, I don't know that much about dialysis, but it always seemed like it was something that required, you know, some machinery to do the cleansing, and not something you can carry around in a suitcase or or however yeah, that it, works. I mean, is it <laughs> is it that compact, really? No, it's not really that. It's not that compact, but. Certainly, it really depends on how bad uh, your dial, how how much dialysis you're actually needed to do. So, um, and as you as your kidneys start to fail even more, uh, then certainly the regular straight dialysis out of the bloodstream is going to be the most important, and you will have to go to a center for that. Does that make sense to you? Thank you for that last comment, because the peritoneal one just doesn't make sense to me how that cleanses the blood as well as going to a facility, you know, since the blood is actually circulated. So I think you've uh, helped a lot. Thank you. All right. Thank you for your call, and good, good luck to you on that. And, Ted, you're on WGN. Hello. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Hey, Dr. Most, I have a simple question for you. In fact, I threw in number three, if you would. Give me a ranking. Which one, which are most, or give me a ranking of harmfulness to the body. Cannabis, alcohol, and cigarettes. Hmm. Give me, a, give me a, 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 a ranking of harmfulness to, the, to us, if you would, please. Sure. So if I look at it, I would say alcohol is number one, cigarettes are number two, cannabis is number three. The reason being is that alcohol really can impact a lot of things, not only liver failure, but puts you at a much higher risk for many different cancers. Cigarettes certainly are going to impact your chance for lung cancer, which is a very difficult one to treat unless you have the screening done. And then obviously cannabis is probably out of the three the safest. So um, that would be my ranking, and that's from a health-related uh, viewpoint of which is going to do the most harm, which certainly would be alcohol. Now, I will take the caveat to say that alcohol in small numbers, or I shouldn't say in, in modest uh, intake, can actually be protective for some people. We know that red blood, or, excuse me, red wine is very cardioprotective if you drink a couple glasses. If you drink a bottle every night, then we're going to have problems with other chances for other cancers. And then cigarettes, really, we know that once you hit really a 30-pack-year kind of uh, a number, which means more than a pack a day for 30 years or a half a pack a day for 50 years, is, is where we really start to get the chance of lung cancer. And cannabis right now appears to be probably the safest out of all of them yeah, from a health-related view. You feel the same about uh, edibles and cannabis being used in foods and you know brownies and things like that? Yeah. I mean, when I look at cannabis right now, there's a lot of health benefits for cannabis. Decreases anxiety for some people. can really help with people who are on chemotherapy and and get nauseated. The anti-nausea effect of cannabis has allowed people who are on chemotherapy to maintain their weight. So certainly those are are great outcomes of whether it's smoked or whether it's uh, 
uh, ingested. Ingested. Very interesting. Uh, far out question, Ted. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was a good question. It was Ted. a very, like really good question. Dr. Kevin Most is the chief medical officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Thank you so much. Have a great week. You got it, Dean. We'll talk soon. Andy's sounding better, isn't he? Yes, he sounded fine. He's feeling morning, a lot better, too. As the yeah. morning's going on, you, yeah. you sounded a little uh, like I'm just getting over a cold an hour ago. Now you sound yeah. now you sound more like you. I tell you what, that Paxlovid is amazing. It really is. Mm. If you can get by the, like Dr. Mo said, if you can get by the taste that it leaves in your mouth, yeah. <laughs> you're all good. I didn't have that for either of my bouts. Yeah. Well, I was just I was just happy that uh, I still had my sense of taste and smell, which was right. something I was a little worried about. Yeah. Andy uh, recovering from COVID. That's why he wasn't with us last week. But uh, and it's coming uh, coming to us from his house this morning. Correct. Right? My secret bunker. His secret uh, broadcasting bunker. Mm-hmm. Because Schwanny didn't want him anywhere near him. That's the truth. I never said that. Schwanny said, uh, "Keep sicky away from me." I believe was <laughs> the exact sicky. quote. Yeah, I mean, the, the brick through the window was a little much there. <laughs> with a note. Yeah. With a brick with a note. Stay, you, you stay home Oh, now today. you're liking me to Ernest T. Bass, throwing rocks through the window? Is Ernest that it? Ernest T. Bass. <laughs> if I knew who that was, I'd say yes. <laughs> uh, uh, so when I was sick and broadcasting from home, I hardly ever had pants on. <laughs> well, I will tell you. Because you, you don't have need pants to. on. Because you don't All need right. to. <laughs> That's it. I'm sorry, did you say you do? I have a news update. I have a news update, by the way. Hold on a second. Wait a second. We have more important things. Wait a second. You do or you do? I am wearing pants. He is. Dandy is wearing pants. Thank you so much. I feel like I owe it to the listeners to wear pants. (laughs) (laughs) Not me when I was sick. (laughs) It's like nobody can see me. I'm not wearing pants. At the North Avenue Beach this morning. That just started, right, Schwanny? Yep, it did. You want to know how cold the water is? How cold is it? 35 degrees. Mm-hmm. The air temperature is, well, at the lakefront, it is uh, 36. The air, the the air is as the, water. as the water, yes. Right. So I think that's good, though. When you go in the water, you don't feel like a blast of cold. Because it's the it's same going temperature to be cold as the enough. water. <laughs> it's going to be cold enough. Yeah. Relative humidity is 67%. The winds are northeast at 6 miles an hour. Uh, All funds raised. 4,000 people, by the way, they say, participating today. All funds raised support Special Olympic Chicago and Special Children's Charities providing athletic and life-enriching programs for thousands of athletes of all ages in all 77 of the neighborhoods. In Chicago, it's a great cause. The money that they raise is uh, fantastic. But as we were saying earlier, uh, we missed the boat. We've, you know, we've said for many years that we were going to go broadcast from there. How fun would that be? To I'm, do, you know, the more broadcast I think about on the it, beach. the more I think about it, we could set up a wonderful station there at the uh, North Avenue Boathouse, right? The North Avenue Beach Boathouse. And he's been saying he wants to set up a towel-off station. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when people come out of the water, Andy's right there with the Let big... get that for you. Here, here you go. Here's big bath towel. sheet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come here and warm up a little bit. We got you. We got you covered. We got you taken care of. <laughs> Shwani, uh 
Selling his Dave Schwann bathing caps? No, I'll sell all my... my I voted uh, stickers from 1972. <laughs> have you taken that off? Yes, I have. Oh, well, you took your jacket off. I took my jacket off. So, yes, I took it off. Is the sticker still on your jacket, though? Yeah. Of course it is. And are I'm going to go home and find li- my I Like Ike buttons. <laughs> so I'll my- wear them next week. You know what I found at home? <laughs> I, was, I was cleaning out some stuff and I found a McGovern campaign button. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, now, do you know how old that one is? I don't even remember supporting him, but apparently. Do you know how old that one is? Uh, let's see. McGovern would have been. Seven, so wait. Uh huh. 72? Yep. 72. <laughs> see, I still You have, have a relic there. You may have some money with that. I still have a memory. You may have. You who may have some running, money. Who was his running mate, McGovern? Um, did he? Was he the one that had someone who was a running mate who uh, had a quit? Yes, Thomas Eagleton. And, you, and then this who is, took over? Uh, I think it was. Uh, I will have to look this up. Lars uh, America First Daily. No, it wasn't Lars America First Daily. He was the mayoral candidate. He ran for mayor about as many times, many times as Willie Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> he ran for a long time. Uh, but it was Thomas Eagleton who had to step aside. Who took over? I want to say it was um, Sergeant Shriver. I think you're right. I think it was Sergeant Shriver, Maria Shriver's uh, father. I think you're correct. Yeah. And that was, uh, if I remember correctly... One of the greatest uh, landslide victories uh, in the history of presidential politics for Richard Nixon. Yes. For Richard Nixon's Nixon's second term in 1972, and I believe McGovern won. I think he may have even lost his home state. (laughs) You know, it was was over right 15 minutes after uh, the polls closed. Yeah. I interviewed him back uh, over in uh, the showcase studio. George McGovern? George McGovern yeah. was in town with, uh, he had a very interesting book. I like talking to politicians who are no longer politicians because now they're... Now they can open up and say yeah, what they really want to say. what they really want to say yeah. instead of being so guarded like they always are. <laughs> and he was, uh, it was very interesting to uh, to talk to him. Have you ever interviewed presidents or people who have run for president? I, yes, actually I have. I uh, I interviewed Barack Obama a couple times. When he was a state rep or a senator? When he was senator? a state rep and also when he was a U.S. senator. Um, first off, uh, when I was at Illinois Radio Network, I interviewed him. Who knew in 1998 that, you know, what was going to happen right? with that? Right. Uh, talked to him on the phone for about five minutes. Hmm. And uh, then when he was a U.S. senator, he was out and around uh, shaking hands with people. And I was uh, went into a place where he was visiting and said, if you have a couple minutes, Senator, I would like to ask you, uh, right. the story is that you just might be running for president. And right. uh, we talked about it. I knew what he was going to say. but well, uh, I, re- I remember that interview clip because he responded, why are you still wearing an I voted sticker? <laughs> <laughs> Shwani has a long history of that. <laughs> I just wanted to show him that I was doing my duty as a citizen. Yeah. Very nice. Um, uh, Andy, just as a little side note, somebody yeah. on our text line uh, has uh, wrote, written in, uh, I would pay extra if Andy would towel me off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Get a little side business started for Andy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Gonna have to bring Otis with me to protect me. 
Dean, do you think if we brought our uh, equipment from our pretend radio stations when we were kids to the uh, event, do you think anybody that would draw an audience? Oh, I'm sure a lot of uh, radio historians would be interested in seeing, <laughs> seeing so the, the crude setups uh, that we had. <laughs> I just think it would be fun to be on the beach, doing a show on the beach. Oh, yeah. It really would be. It really would be. I would prefer it to be more like 85 degrees. Well, of course. I'll take what I can get. That's for a good cause. We yeah. should start planning right now. <laughs> well, we sort of have been for the last 25 years. <laughs> we just never seem to be able to get anything off the ground. We're great idea people. We are great idea people on this show, but the follow-up <laughs> The follow-up, that's the yes. problem. Yeah. Follow-up on the show We stinks. haven't done the bowling alley. Kayaking. <laughs> Kayaking. We haven't done Abraham Lincoln's home. Anything like that. We've all talked about it, though. Yeah. Of, those, uh, of those things, uh, I think I'm only still interested in the bowling show. You want to do the bowling show. Okay. We need to get the shirts now. I'm into we need the, to get more shirts. the fun. I'm, I'm more into the fun. We need to get shirts. Bowling shirts. Mm-hmm. I'll bet we could pack a place. If we contacted a local bowling alley and we said we wanted to do our show at the bowling alley, I'll bet we could pack that place like we do at Tree Time. I think it's worth a try. Maybe Probably that right. should be our summertime. Yeah. Tree Time is our winter outing and some bowling alley. Waveland Bowl is just right down the street from, uh, from, TV, yeah. from the TV station. Maybe we could do it there. Why not? I didn't maybe with a charity and maybe have uh, folks sponsor people for how many how many pins they knock down. You know, extra pay for us. <laughs> extra pay for us. <laughs> Concessions. Now, now the the shirts would these have our names or would it be Mo, Larry, and Curly on the shirts? What do you think? I think? It should have our names. Okay, on them. All right. Uh, Just al- a thought. Although it limits. It limits when you could wear the shirt again. True. Because <laughs> you don't want to be at the um, grocery store wearing a shirt with your own name on it. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. Oh, by the I've way, seen it. By the way, I was, uh, you know, I've talked many times about doing my shopping on Saturday morning, mm-hmm. my, my grocery shopping. When you cover up the cart <laughs> I was, with, your, with your long raincoat? Uh, because I don't want people to judge. It makes you even more suspicious. I don't want people to grocery judge me. <laughs> I don't want people saying, oh, look at what he's buying. <laughs> but just so happens I was at the grocery store not covering up my <laughs> stuff. <laughs> And somebody came up to me in the grocery store and said, why aren't you covering up your stuff? <laughs> so I get shamed no matter what I do. Um, oh, you know what? Uh, you know what I'm uh, I was speaking of that yesterday while I was in the grocery store. I'm trying to come up with a new breakfast for myself. I've decided I've run out of things to have for breakfast. What normally do you have? I'll have Especially uh, with your schedule. I might have a couple of eggs. I might scramble up a couple of eggs before I leave. I might go buy the the Dunkin' Donuts and get one of their egg and, you know, whatever sandwiches. You know, there's like all the breakfast sandwiches that are out. That's usually what I have. Sometimes I'll make a little bowl of oatmeal. That's my uh, go-to. Yogurt. Sometimes I have yogurt in the morning. I'm tired of everything. All right, we'll need to come up with some ideas. What do you here. have for breakfast? I have Aunt B make a couple of uh, poached eggs with some uh, 
toast and the fresh marmalade and that she makes. they never made poached eggs in her life. <laughs> they never ate anything healthy on the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> Everything was deep fried on that show, and you know it. You usually have oatmeal, Andy? Is that, yeah, that's oatmeal, your go-to? A little raisin action in there, yeah. You don't get tired of it? Uh, get tired yeah, of it. After a while, but it's easy, you know? It's, it's easy and convenient. You're tired of it. I have oatmeal, too. Andy can attest to that. You're tired of it. You get the, you get the variety pack. You know, you get a couple different flavors. <laughs> breakfast is probably my favorite meal of the day. Really? If I, if I go to a restaurant and they're, they're offering breakfast, I don't care what time of day it is, I'm getting breakfast. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm a huge Belgian waffle fan and a little French toast. I like all that, but the, uh, the carbs are Oh, I know. Killers. You can only do it once in a while. Right. And I'm, you know what it is? My, my, I've, I'm kind of sick of eggs, which is good because they are $400 for a dozen eggs right yeah. now. <laughs> but I'm just kind of sick of eggs. I'm sick of eggs. And I just need, I need something different. Who's got some breakfast ideas for Uncle Dean? I'm looking for uh, some new breakfast ideas, Nancy. Can you help me out? Yes. So my favorite comfort food as a kid was cocoa wheats, hmm. and I now make quinoa with chocolate milk. Wait a and minute. Wait a minute. Hold it. Let me think about this for a second. So you take the quinoa, and you cook it uh-huh. in chocolate milk? With chocolate milk. You'll probably have to add a little more so you have the consistency of cocoa wheats. Okay. Or any kind of low, you know, any kind of milk product that's chocolate flavored. Yeah. It is phenomenal. It sounds good. I just feel like I'm a kid again watching Ray Rayner. <laughs> Are you? You have, a, you have a duck running around your feet, right? Chalveston the duck. Right. Chalveston can't, right? Exactly. Huh. Eating out of the, you know, boxes of cornflakes. Right. Love it. Now, you could probably, you probably can make this ahead of time, right? Yes, you can, yeah. But it is just such a blast to the past, and it's a much healthier version. And then when I want to be a grown-up, which I should be, um, I love avocado toast. You know, okay. So there's yep. a place near me that makes it with a drizzle of balsamic uh, reduction, and Ooh. they pile it with arugula. So I, if you don't need food on the run, I love just throwing my toast in the toaster and mash up my avocado. And right. It's so good. That sounds good. But you know, try the quinoa. I'm going to give that a try. Milk. That does sound very good. And in uh, the Dunkin' Donuts uh, now they have an avocado toast, uh, which I've had uh, several times on sourdough bread. It's really good. Maggie, how about you? What should I have for breakfast? Well, first I have to say, Dean, I am so excited to talk to you. You are one of my favorite people Aren't in the you planet. Nice. Look at you. Aren't you nice? Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so when I was a kid, my and now I'm sorry to say there's eggs involved here, um, but she used to make soft-boiled eggs, and then she would make toast, and she would butter that toast up like crazy, and nice. then she would cut it into little squares, and then she would put the eggs and the toast together in a bowl and mix it all up, throw some salt on there, and the, the liquid from the eggs would go into the toast. Yeah, the yolks, yeah. Oh, the, the yolks and, the, and all the gooiness. You know what? That sounds amazingly delicious to me. <laughs> it is delicious. I, I am. Delicious. I, I, maybe I I'm a weirdo. I, like, I love soft-boiled eggs and toast. 
and I would tell you the easiest way to remember how to make soft-boiled eggs is boil that water for, you know, get it boiling and put those eggs in there for five minutes, put the timer on. You take them out after five minutes, and they are perfect. Ooey and gooey and yummy, and oh, that's, uh, that's yeah. not, a, it's not a bad idea, Maggie. Not a bad idea. <laughs> appreciate the call and the, and the nice words. I appreciate it. Thank you. Steve, what am I having for breakfast? So a little different. <clears throat> First of all, I was going to suggest avocado toast with uh, the best thing in the world, bacon. Got to have bacon on everything. Naturally. Um, but I'm on the go quite a bit. Um, it's simple, it's easy, and it's healthy. I'm uh, lactose intolerant, so I'm limited you know, with milk and with cereal and things like that. So what I'll do is um, I'll get... Uh, some either frozen or fresh berries, a mix of, of uh, berries that are uh, raspberries, strawberries, and blueberries. Okay. Uh, some protein powder. Nice. Uh, collagen. Um, throw it in a blender uh, with some coconut milk. Yum. And and uh, and just and then I'm off to the races to work. That sounds really good. Not overly sweet. Uh, and, uh, it's not overly. It's not overly sweet. The protein powder, it, 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 you know, and and the coconut milk that makes up. You know, you, obviously, I try to stay active. I play hockey, so I stay active so that keeps you know the the extra protein keeps you from getting overweight. Right. And sometimes for kicks, if I want, I'll throw a banana in there too. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I might give that a try. Um, that's some really good suggestions. And you blend that up. Blend that up, and then you can just take it in the car and drink it on the way to work. Yeah, just sip away. Sip away. I love that idea, uh, Steve. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Uh, somebody texted in uh, a barley pudding. You cook barley, add raisins, cinnamon, uh, zest from an orange, walnuts, pistachios. Uh, yeah, cinnamon. I said cinnamon. Uh, mix it all up until it's like a pudding uh, consistency. That sounds really good. That sounds good. And uh, producer Julian, who's filling in for Jack today, uh, jumped in during the break and told me that he had a great idea. Julian, what should I have for breakfast? You need some ding-dongs, Dane. (laughs) (laughs) Ding-dongs? Like hostess ding-dongs like those? I'm talking hostess ding-dongs, Twinkies, those little zebra cakes. Oh, those are my favorite. That's good eating. I'd need about 10 of them, of course, but... Ding dong. You worked with Shwani on that. The signature song from a chorus line that opened on Broadway, believe it or not, way back in 1975. An unprecedented hit uh, went on to win nine Tony Awards and also a Pulitzer Prize for drama. Became the longest running production in Broadway history until Cats came along in uh, 1977 uh, but still is uh, one of the most popular uh, productions musical productions and it's back in chicago it's out at the drury lane uh, theater right now in uh, all of its full glory with uh, songs like one and what i did for love and i hope i get it uh, so so many amazing songs from that show, uh, all directed and choreographed by Jane Lanier, who joins us uh, on our phone line right now. Jane, hi, you're on WGN. Hello. Hi, Dean. How are you? Doing very well. Nice to talk to you. 
Good. Uh, con- you too. Congratulations on uh, putting up this show. What's it like to take a classic like this? I just realized how many years ago 1976 was. <laughs> it just hit me like a ton of bricks. But, I mean, this show has been around. And, boy, you talk about a show that in more than one way has legs. Uh, this one definitely, very much definitely does. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a huge show to put up, but it's um, it's it was so joyful to work on this project again and with this generation of um, dancers, actors, and singers, and to make it personal to them today. It's that's that's the thing about the show. Really, it's uh, it, it is sort of a, a timeless uh, storyline, isn't it? It is, and I mean, it's it's not just it's a human story. You know, I think everyone can relate to it. You don't have to be in the performing arts to relate to these stories of childhood and um, that weren't perfect by any means, because whose was and um how they got through them and how they persevered and went for their dreams and it's a beautiful touching story like you said it won the pulitzer i mean it's a phenomenal book yeah and the 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 songs of course are timeless and uh oh, you know, i yeah. i had for, <laughs> i had forgotten i mean at a time I'm sure I've seen a dozen productions of a chorus line easily through the years. And I, I had mm-hmm. forgotten that this was, uh, you know, kind of one of Marvin Hamlish's breakthrough uh, roles as a, oh. as a composer, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, you know, I'm not 100% sure of his history, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think he, he did more films at this point. Um, and this might have been one of his first Broadway um, scores. Yeah. So what are the challenges of uh, staging a show like this? I mean, on Broadway, it's a huge stage. It's a huge cast. Uh, you know, yeah. it's a, everything's a little more scaled down out of the jury lane in Oak Brook. Although uh, I've seen some pretty amazingly staged shows out of the jury lane in Oak Brook. So I know it's not impossible, but there must have been some challenges there for you as the uh, director and choreographer. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I've seen Chorus Line and done Chorus Line when I was a performer on a much smaller stage. So we actually had a really good amount of space. All of our actors totally fit on the line. Um, we added some more updated technical elements, like the line is lit from underneath. We have a proscenium that is lit with LEDs. Um, it's just non-stop dancing so there's you know 20 numbers to choreograph and the stage and the precision and the cleanliness um but they worked really hard and i was lucky enough my husband was my associate and he was in the original broadway company when it closed oh wow so yes so he brought the original original back and we did that in homage to, you know, Mr. Bennett. How about that? Wow. Uh, I, I, had, yeah. I, I had no no idea of that uh, connection back mm-hmm. to the original Broadway production. So so you yeah. uh, really uh, got an insider's look at what it was like to, uh, to, you know, what it was like putting it together back in the day, but uh, kind of making yeah. it, take, bringing it full circle, I guess you might say. 
It was full circle. And the funny showbiz story about it is um, my husband Frank and I met playing Zach and Cassie 20 years ago. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> How about that? So, it was full circle in many ways. Wow. Mm-hmm. So is, uh, you know, preparing the, the performers for a show like this, right. is, is it more difficult than, you know, another musical that you might have done? Because this show is, it's about the personal struggles of all, all of the dancers trying to get into the show, to be part of the show. But it, right. it, it's, it just seems like it would be a much more precision-like dancing that must be done and precision with all of the other performers at some point, especially, you know, during the song one, for example. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's almost rocket like, yeah. you know, where there is, you watch these performers all night for two hours and get to know them. And then at one, every arm, every leg, every head has to be exactly the same. Um, and so that kind of precision, yeah, you're right. That that kind of dance doesn't isn't seen that much. And it's also, you know, we had a we stayed in 1975, and the Bennetts and the Robins and the Fosses of the world, um, who Zach is modeled after, they're not here anymore. And the world has changed. And so. Um, to get this cast at this age to really feel what it, you know, what it was like then for a person of that magnitude to be in the room and the stakes that are needed. Because without stakes, the show just kind of lies there. Yeah. It's uh, a special, uh, you know, very, very special show. I, something else that, you know, occurred to me while I was listening to the clip of uh, that introduced you that probably much mm-hmm. of your cast, they weren't even born when the show was first out, <laughs> no. right? They weren't there. Maybe their parents weren't even born. <laughs> no, no. A lot of them were born in the 2000s. Oh, um, ouch, yes. Ouch. I know. Oh, yeah, you're telling me. Um, I had to stand in a mirror with them. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but they love this show. They love this music. They love dancing this choreography. Um, and they loved finding it for themselves, these roles, not copying something else, but honoring the script in their own way, honoring these songs. And that's the beauty, you know, to watch this generation find this show. So it made me very happy and very proud of them. I can only imagine. Yeah, the show is uh, going to be uh, continuing at the Drury Lane uh, in Oakbrook Terrace through March the 19th. This is not your first time out at the Drury Lane. Uh, am I correct? Correct. I choreographed Chicago and Mamma Mia out there. So uh, talk to me uh, a little bit about these uh, you know, productions in some of our the, the theater community in Chicago and the Drury Lane in particular, since you've got some history out there. Um, well, I was, you know, new to Chicago And so to when I first Chicago, the show Chicago was my first show. And it was so lovely to find a community, you know, in Chicago, 
um, of actors and dancers and singers with so much passion. And, you know, they come to these productions um, open, talented, and so it's kind of home, you know? Um, And that's a lovely, Drury Lane is like family. And so it's so nice to have that when you're new to a city, you know? Yeah, I I think I, I always say how lucky we are in the Chicago area. I mean, we've got the downtown theater district, which is great, oh, yeah. but we also have the Drury Lanes of the world. We have the you know the Paramounts and Aurora, the Marriott, Lincoln Shires. Yep. Uh, we we've got some mm-hmm. great great places where uh, you know the up and coming talent they don't they don't really have to go to New York uh, to to you know learn their crafts and to really uh, you know get some experience because these are such professionally done shows right here in the Chicago area. That they get to enjoy as performers, but we as audience members get to enjoy as well. Yes. I mean, I've seen productions, obviously, at all three theaters, and everyone does amazing work here. Um, Chicago Shakespeare does amazing work, you know? I mean, it's it's a really tight-knit family in the Chicago area, and that's just lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, what you have coming up uh, for yourself after uh, a chorus line closes on the 19th. Are you working on another production right now? Do you have something else that's coming up? Um, not not right now. No, I am, I quote, retired <clears throat> from the university that I was at in May, and I've been working nonstop through chorus line. So now I'm just enjoying a little break at my lake house. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be rested when the next one comes along. Oh, good. Nice nice to have the option yeah. uh, to do all of that. Uh, in, it is. In this show, uh, you know, you have all of these uh, classic songs and classic uh, production numbers because of both the Broadway production and the movie uh, that uh, came mm-hmm. out as well. People are really familiar with uh, the dance numbers and the songs in this movie. How do you, uh, I, I mean, do you purposely not copy any of that? Uh, do you try to bring a little of that familiarity to your production uh, as well? How do you balance that as a director choreographer? Well, we kept the original opening and the one, you know, the finale, because to me that's iconic. And as you said, you've seen the show so many times, um, you want that. But with all the small individual numbers, we crafted them around the person. We worked together, so it wasn't copied, and um, it came from them. So we have a combination. It's, it's a little bit of both, some original and some new. When you say that you've uh, crafted them around the individual, do you mean the uh, character that the actor is playing or the actor themselves? Um, the actor themselves, like, let's say, Dance 10 Looks 3. So our Val, <clears throat> um, Kaylee, the actress, you know, she and I work together to find the movements that fit her Val as opposed to copying the original. Mm-hmm. 
And, yeah. and this uh, cast uh, that you have, uh, talk to me a little bit about some of the, the standouts uh, in your mind that really send the show over the top. Oh, wow. <laughs> who, so who, do you like, who do you like um, best? just kidding um no of course our cassie is amazing sarah andreas she's just gorgeous and can sing dance and act a true triple threat sam linda as mike is phenomenal his tapping is phenomenal um sawyer smith is amazing bobby he's hysterical he makes me laugh um, they make me laugh so much. Um, Yessi as Deanna is just beautiful. Her What I Did for Love is so poignant and gorgeous. Um, but as Cassie says, everyone is special yeah, yeah. <laughs> on are, that line. Are, are these uh, mostly homegrown uh, cast members? Or are these people who have uh, come to the Drury Lane in Oak Brook from, from other parts of the country? Um, Yessi and Sarah are, um, came from New York and Ryan, who is our incredible Zach came from Los Angeles, but everyone else is from the Chicago area. And, um, there's a big handful of the cast that were my former students that are my alumni. Oh, that's great. And I'm so proud of them. Yeah. I can only, They've won these roles. They're doing amazing. I can only imagine how gratifying that must be for you as the instructor to take some of these yeah. people who you've kind of, you know, nurtured and, and brought up and uh, see them flourishing like that. It must, must be truly yeah. great. It's great. And they've come into their own and they own it and are confident and, you know, amazingly talented. That sounds fantastic. So, yes, I'm yeah. very proud. Very nice, very nice. Uh, it's a chorus line. Uh, if you've never seen it, uh, you must absolutely, definitely get out to the Drury Lane Oak Brook. But uh, even if you've seen it a couple of times, uh, it's such a wonderful classic show. It'll definitely put a grin to, uh, ear-to-ear smile on your face. It's at the Drury Lane in Oak Brook Terrace through March the 19th. You can get ticket information by going to Drury Lane Theater. Dot com that's theater with an r e or you can call 6305300111 to get more information jane lanier is the uh, director and choreographer and uh, sounds like she's having a great time in her life right now we appreciate you joining us jane thank you thank you so much dina really appreciate it my pleasure and when we come back from the break let's uh, revisit of uh, the song one we'll be right back coming up after 11 o'clock talking with the stars of the new number one movie in america michael b jordan and jonathan majors talking about creed three talking about a chorus line on our theater segment today that debuted on broadway in the uh, late 70s 1985 the movie version came out and uh, everybody was talking about the big finale number uh, the number being one. A chorus line out of the jury lane in Oak Brook through March the 19th. Uh, we will get to our A-list interview with Michael B. Jordan. Andy just needed to get back in the saddle here. Doesn't he sound... He's, he, he started off the show this morning sounding like the guy who was sick last week. Had a little bit of that sound. Yeah. And you sound perfect now. Well, thank you. You sound very energetic. Yeah. Trying to, you know, 
trying to you know, I think maybe the uh, you know the uh, the atmosphere here in the uh, in the home front uh, is helping me recover. Oh. And but I'll be back in the studio Andy's next week. And pushing for doing this from <laughs> no, 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 home. Do that. I miss you guys too much. Why don't we all do this from home? And we haven't heard from Otis yet this morning. Thank goodness. <laughs> Otis in another room or is Otis? Uh, yeah, Otis is downstairs, which is uh, where he should be right now. Molina's down there keeping an eye on him. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I would like to hear. Wouldn't you like to hear Otis? I would. Well, maybe as the show goes yeah, on, we'll, we'll get him a little riled like up. to hear Otis. If I let him in my office, it's it's dangerous because I have to keep my head on a swivel because there's things in the office here that I don't want him getting into, mm. like memorabilia and things of that nature. That's what we do with Shawnee here in the newsroom. <laughs> yeah. We actually have that newsroom. Yeah, we actually have one of those collars on Shawnee. <laughs> the giant, whatever they're called. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the shock collar. If he, if he goes beyond the uh, the yeah. invisible fence, there we he's do. done. Yeah, yeah. He's I'm got, not wearing one of those big. Cones, like you see. Schwan- I'm not wearing that. If Schwanny no. comes, comes in my studio, he gets an electric shock. <laughs> oh, man. So I saw the new uh, Creed movie, Creed 3. It's the new number one movie in America. Hmm. and The latest in the Rocky series. Were you fans of? Yes. Who wasn't a fan of the Rocky Yes. Movies? There was yes. only one Rocky movie I didn't like. And that was number five. I lost track of the numbers. But, yeah, as they went on, they lost a little of their power. So I think it's great that they kind of transitioned this whole thing over to the Creed story, the the son of Apollo Creed from the Rocky movies. It's played by Michael B. Jordan, Adonis Creed is his name. And this is the third Creed movie now that he has done, which is really quite good. Uh, Really, really, really amazing. I'll give my review of that and... Talk with Michael B. Jordan all coming up in just a few minutes. To have everybody here with us, including you out at home. Thank you so much for your lovely calls and your texts. Uh, Here's uh, another one from the 317 area code. What is that, 2317? That's down near Peoria, isn't it? Uh, That's uh, 309. Uh, 317, I believe, is in Indianapolis. Yeah, central Indiana. All right, shout out to Indianapolis this morning. Uh, It says it's been a rough 2023 so far. Thank you for the much-needed laughs and smiles on Sunday morning. That's nice. Happy to provide them. You bet. Most of them are unintentional, but you're welcome. Uh, 847 area code, Dean, hearing the song from Chorus Line. I was doing my own one-person kick line in my kitchen. I think I hurt myself. (laughs) We were doing it in the newsroom, too. Were you really? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. (laughs) You wouldn't want to see it. I was the person that fell in the movie, by the way. (laughs) Had you ever noticed that before? I've never. No, I didn't. I'm telling you. That's interesting. Look it up on uh, YouTube. I'll find it, yeah. Just find the version of the song One on YouTube from the movie. And at the, the toward the very end, when they do, they're doing that final massive kick line with the whole cast. Keep an eye like upper right hand corner. Uh, somebody takes a complete spill, <laughs> and instead of redoing it, of course, there's so many people involved in that. They just left it in. Most, yeah, most people never even notice it. So I saw a chorus line here in 1981 at what was then the Schubert Theater. Oh yeah, that was great. The CIBC Theater now. That's what it is, yes. I think. Yeah. I think. Um, Dean, did you see last night's Chris Rock special? Ooh. 
I am actually going to get into this in a minute. Chris Rock, Chris Rock did a live special on Netflix last night. Live. It was a live uh, broadcast. Uh, and it was funny, and it was raunchy and you know dirty and all that. But the thing that really set this apart was this is the first time that Chris Rock has talked about the Will Smith slap in a public setting. And uh, we're, we are going to play some of it for you uh, a little bit later on. <laughs> Currently, we've got... We've got our radio surgeons working on this right now because there are, <laughs> <laughs> there are quite a few things that cannot be quite a few mentioned. Be- beliefs that need to be or <laughs> broadcast on conventional media. This isn't Netflix. We can't just let anything fly here. <laughs> uh, so as soon as we're done editing that, which should be in about two years. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, we should have it uh, coming up a little bit later on in the show. But I did see it. I did watch it. And I, I'm a big Chris Rock fan. I think he's hilarious. He's so thoughtful. He's such a smart comedian. I mean, his aside from talking about Will Smith, when he's talking about everything else, his observations on life are uh, just brilliant, in my opinion, and thought-provoking and touching uh, and profound and uh, some of the things that he had to say about the Will Smith uh, incident that took place a year ago now uh, are hilarious. And uh, so as soon as we get a few more, a few hundred more bleeps uh, into the edit on that, <laughs> we'll, we'll get that up uh, and we'll play some of that for you coming up uh, in a little bit. Uh, Shwani, I'll bet you're a Ben Vereen fan because you like the classic. Oh, yes. Song and dance. What an incredibly talented individual. He's an amazing guy. Yeah. He's going to be uh, performing uh, in the Chicago area next weekend. And uh, we're going to talk live with Ben Vereen when we come right back. Again, God bless you. That is the great Ben Vereen, 1973, accepting his Tony Award for his uh, production, his participation in the musical Pippin. Uh, He would uh, go on to win an Emmy Award for his role in the original TV series Roots. Uh, He was uh, part of uh, the CBS television series Be Positive. He had multiple appearances in The Good Fight uh, over the years, but just has appeared in so many television shows and uh, musical performances uh, and stage performances. And Ben Vereen is coming to the Chicago area to do his one-man show at Moraine Valley Community College next Saturday, March the 11th. And what a pleasure to welcome Ben Vereen back to WGN. Hello there, my friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Dude. How is Chicago? Well, I must yeah. give a shout-out to my uh, Sigma brothers there and ancestors of Phi Sigma. How you guys doing, Blue Fi? There you and go. also, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Reverend Doctor Choman uh, uh, Coleman's children, my mother. Oh, there. very nice. At Christ Universal Temple. Yes. And to Rev- Reverend Shirley Lawson. Hi, shout out, girl. <laughs> keeping <laughs> you, it, keeping the keeping it alive. Yeah. Keeping Johnny like alive. You've, How's you, Chicago? It, it's it's uh, it's a beautiful sunny day. Uh, you know, we Good. we Get we ready for me. We missed a big snowstorm, so. 
you know, we, we gotta, got it for you. We got to we got to think you're going to bring nothing but sunshine when you come into the Chicago area. For next weekend. Hey, when you hear that Emmy speech that you gave, uh, it, to watch that clip and to see the complete exuberance uh, when you were running up on the stage, what, what, does that bring back, uh, hearing your, your words uh, from that night, does that bring back all yeah. the memories of that evening? Well, of course it does. Especially the part of my Tom Oregon, you know, who uh, really changed the theater forever. And being there with Bob Fosse and Stu Ostrom, the cast of Pippin. You know, this is 50 years now that, uh, since Pippin. It's hard to so believe. Sell- yeah, it <laughs> yeah. is hard to believe. Yeah. It brings out warm memories. I remember sitting at the bar with the, um, uh, God, Godfrey Cambridge and, oh, wow. and uh, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of our greats. Yeah. The time. Oh, wow. How about that? Uh, mm-hmm. Are there moments in your career, Ben, that are, you know, stand out to you? Uh, that just looking through your biography and looking at old clips, uh, there's just one incredible, memorable performance after another, as far as I'm concerned. How about for you? Mm-hmm. Are there certain moments that stand out for you in your career? You know, Dean, they're all special to me. It's kind of hard to pick out what it's actually between my children I love. Um, they're all special and real to me because each, each one teaches me something and has brought me such um, uh, uh, joy to be able to serve the people. That's what I love to do. So I thank my public. I did that that night. As a matter of fact, I continue to do it. You know, the uh, your uh, participation in the original TV series Roots is legendary. Uh, what what are some of what are some of your memories of being part of that uh, award winning uh, mini series? Nobody had even heard of mini series before Roots. Yeah, well, they, you know, it was prior to, right after uh, Rich Man Poor Man, which went in the tank. I remember my agent telling me that I didn't have a shot at getting the show. He said, you're a song and dance man, Ben, and they're looking for actors. And I remember going to come to Chicago, hmm. and I, I, I introduced a group called Sister Sledge. Oh, and uh, we went down, got in a bus and truck, and drove down to uh, um, Savannah, Georgia. And I was doing a character called Burt Williams in those days. Talk about how black people had to struggle and wear blackface. We weren't allowed to wear, be on stage ourselves in the beginning. We had to wear blackface. Hmm. And I did a parody on it. Uh, to a character named Bert Williams. I went back to my dressing room and after the performance at this high school and knocked him on the door. And it was a guy named Stan Margulies. And he says, uh, I want you to be my chicken, George. Hmm. So what? He said, we're shooting the beginning of Boots here and I want you to be my chicken, George. And that's how I got that. that uh, I didn't care if chicken, George, the guy on the boat going, let me out of here, let me out of here. I just was so, such an honor to be a part of that production. Yeah. It was, so, and, and who knew it would, it would take off the way it did? We had no idea. That's not the reason why we did it. You know, we did it because of the fact that during the time there was very little history on on the you know the Black Holocaust, the African American Holocaust, right. which happened in America. Yep. That's what I wanted to be a part of it. Well, it was it was so groundbreaking in that way that uh, even though everybody you know most everybody I guess. I uh, knew that there was slavery. Uh, this this really mm-hmm. put a face on it, and really personalized mm-hmm. it for everybody. Not only for African Americans who were you know seeing what their ancestors went through, but for everybody else to to see you know the history 
the brutality uh, of it all. It must be gratifying mm-hmm. to you in a way now to see movies like Wakanda Forever and other movies which uh, you know feature uh, African American uh, performers in such a big way. I mean, you guys really sort of led the way with that with Roots. Yeah, we, we did. We did. It is wonderful to be a part of that beginning. And to see the growth now is 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 quite honoring to us. Uh, you know, we're all seeing y'all are part of the American fabric. It's the stories got to be told. Still, the American Indian story has to be told. You know, we all are a part of this big melting pot, and you know, the equality of America has yet to be reached. And so, we have our voice there, and and more, much more of our stories must be told. I was so honored to be um, a part of the. Uh, African-American Black Film Festival, uh, Theater Festival, uh, last year when I, I received the City Poitier Legendary Award. And there was such an honor to stand there on stage and, and thank my peers and to thank the festival for keeping it alive, keeping our stories alive. It's important that our stories are told, that way the young people know from which they came and what they need to do in order to keep going. Yeah. Now, the show that you're bringing to Marine Valley College uh, next Saturday is called Stepping Out with, yeah. Be- with Ben Vereen. And what can we expect from uh, this show? I'm I'm thinking there's going to be some classic Ben Vereen song and dance in the show. <laughs> well, um, it's, it's called Ben Vereen. It's also called Through the Hands of a Coda. And a lot of people know what a coda is. Um, I had the honor of meeting Mrs. Sweeten, um, her and her husband, in Las Vegas. And she's a coda. A coda is a child. Uh, Children of deaf adults, yeah. and uh, what they do is they are the ones that, that relate or translate to their parents from the, actually from from the age of like three or four uh, to teach you know to communicate um, so that their parents can be understood and they can understand what the hearing world is saying. Uh, so the show I I met her and I heard this this story of her story and her platform is the deaf community. And also, in fact, it was a movie called Coda. Sure. Dakota didn't win. The wonderful actor was. But Dakota didn't win. And it's time for us to embrace all of us. And so I, I reached out to the, um, the deaf community to let them know that Dakota will be on stage to interpret my show so that they can be a part of the uh, congregation as we celebrate life. Yeah, and my I, show is about celebrating life. I, it's about. I think that's fantastic uh, mm-hmm. that uh, there's so much more inclusion now. Uh, the the movie Coda, which was uh, an Oscar winner uh, last year, uh, really you know brought uh, br- brought this to all of us. Uh, you know to learn mm-hmm. uh, about all of this. Interestingly, uh, the new movie with uh, the young actor Michael B. Jordan, even though it's mm-hmm. you know it's a, a boxing movie. His daughter, the the actress who plays his daughter in the movie, is a deaf actress, and they worked in uh, the uh, uh, sign language, American Sign Language, and so forth, mm-hmm. into the movie, into the storyline uh, itself. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think it's great that there's now uh, more opportunities to learn, as you say, more about the melting pot that we're all a part, yeah, yeah. A part of. We, 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 the, the deaf community has always had a part in the art. Now it's time to become inclusive for all of us, and I'm so honored to have um, Mrs. Sweet, Mrs. Jeanette Lee, Mrs. Jeanette Lee, to be my my coda in, in the show. And I and I'm hoping that we'll, we will come out and learn about coda and enjoy the show as well. So, are you, are you going to kind of walk us through some of your greatest hits through this show? Well, yeah, of course we will. 
Yeah, I haven't done the show since Coda. I mean, since Coda, since the pandemic. I haven't done. Oh, really? Really? Yes, yeah, this, this will be my second show. I just did a show at Catalina uh, to, to warm up for Chicago. Okay. All right. Oh, great. Well, that, that this will be great then. This is, uh, you know, kind of. So thank you. Thank you. I thank Marin for having me in Chicago. Thank you. It'd be great to be back home in Chicago. Yeah, this this must be, uh, it'll, it'll feel kind of special to you being back out on the stage then after, you know, basically three years where everything was uh, completely shut down. So many performers, so yeah. many actors, you know, were, were going crazy. They were, they, they, you, you, you all need to perform. You need to create yeah. art, don't you? That's what we do. That's what we need to do. We have to. And uh, I, 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 I had a hard time doing the, doing the, uh, with the pandemic because I lost, you know, family members. And uh, so it was very tough for me. And so for a long time, I, I didn't want to perform until I actually went to Bali and uh, found, you know, a sense of life again. Yeah. And I'll come back, I'll come back to let you know I'm here. And I love you all. Well, you know, Thank you. Every, everyone says that Palos Hills, Illinois, is, you know, the Bali of the Midwest. So you'll feel... Uh, right at home when you when you get here uh it's uh, moraine valley community college it's next saturday march the 11th uh and it is uh, you know how how many opportunities do you get to see a a legend uh in person uh doing a show Mm -hmm. like this stepping out with ben vereen uh and uh yeah tickets are, are available at uh moraine valley dot edu slash f-p-a-c i'm going to repeat that because that's a lot moraine <laughs> slash f-p-a-c why do they make these websites so, <laughs> so long? if you you know what i'll bet if you just go on google and search ben vereen palace hills that'll you'll take you to the exact same place or maybe you want to <laughs> kick it old school and just pick up your phone all right 708-974-5500 ben i'm i'm glad uh it's nice to hear your voice i'm glad you're uh, back uh up on stage again and we look forward to seeing you here in the chicago area thank you so much for i'm looking forward to coming home to chicago once again thank so, you very much to all my chicago family i love you i've missed you and to, to my uh, Sigma brothers and sisters, I'll see you there. And to Christ Universal Temple and to Shirley Lawson, Reverend Shirley Lawson, I love you all. I love you, Chicago. The great and legendary Ben Vereen. Running up and down the steps through the streets of Chicago this morning. Love this for one of the most iconic movie theme songs of all time, right? Rocky theme song from the original movie, believe it or not, 1976. Holy smokes. Uh, Rocky II came after that, 1979. Uh, Third movie was in 1982. I think that was the Mr. T movie. Yeah, that was Mr. T, yeah. Mr. T was in Rocky III. Clubber Lang. Drago? Was it Drago? In Rocky four. four, I don't remember who was in Rocky Five. That was Tommy Gunn, Tommy Morrison. That's where he fought Boris Badenov. I mean, they I really can't remember. yeah. That was one that, that one that spilled out in the street. There was like a street fight. Oh in it. yeah, 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 yeah. Then uh, Rocky Balboa came all the way in uh, 
2006. That's where they, his uh, Sylvester Stallone's actual son was in that movie. I remember that one. And then the Creed movies came, uh, in which uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, as the son of Apollo Creed, uh, kind of you know takes up uh, you know the the family business. And is coached by Rocky Balboa, Sylvester Stallone, uh, and uh, it was that was a fantastic movie. The first Creed movie was great. I enjoyed the second one, and I just gave the third movie a Dean's List A. Give it a very positive review. Uh, I think Michael B. Jordan's a great actor. You, maybe you know him from uh, Black Panther. Maybe you know him from some of his television roles that he's been in. Started off as a child actor, and now is one of uh, the A-listers of A-listers uh, with some of his roles. He was People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, uh, I, I love that they're keeping this franchise uh, you know, going. This is now the ninth movie, basically, in this Rocky uh, franchise with no signs of it uh, slowing down. It's already the number one movie in America. Uh, first couple of days, it took in $51 million. They're not even done doing all the counting yet but it's definitely going to wind up being the number one movie uh, in america and deservedly so uh it's a great boxing movie i always say that sport and movies about sports andy do you agree with this movies Mm -hmm. movies about sports have to also be about something else right i mean there has to be yeah like a moral to the story all the greatest sports movies are more than just the sport itself. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, even the comedies. I mean, there's there's underlying uh, situations in a movie like Major, Major League. It's always good to see Michael. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to... Uh, uh, I'm going to recommend it on that count, that the, the boxing scenes are beautifully uh, photographed. Michael B. Jordan, by the way, directs this movie also. Not only stars in it, he's the director of it. Uh, he is uh, co-starred with Jonathan Majors, who is uh, currently co-starring in the Ant-Man, the latest Ant-Man movie. Uh, he is one of the uh, hottest up-and-coming actors uh, out there right now. Uh, also uh, featured in the movie, Felicia Rashad, Tessa Thompson. Uh, it's it, it, it's it, beautiful uh, stories uh, outside of the ring and inside of the ring. So I'm highly recommending this to you. And it was uh, great to get together with Michael B. Jordan uh, again. I've been interviewing him for decades uh, since he was just starting off in acting, really. Uh, and to uh, sit down with both him and his co-star, Jonathan Majors, talking about Creed Three. It's good to see you both. Yeah, but, really good seeing. I mean, it's always good to see Michael more. <laughs> well, only only because I go back with him. I, I was looking back to see if I could figure out what year, and it's like twenty years, man. Twenty that, years that we've been Ooh, talking hey, to each other. I may have had hair then. <laughs> you were just a little baby actor. I probably then. had hair. I think I, I know I had a lot of hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, while I was watching this movie, you've gone through so much since I. While I'm watching this movie, I thought. I wonder, is Crete's life paralleling hmm. Michael's life? He, you know, it's, it's like you, you took this long road to where you are now. Uh, and 
I, I wonder if some of the things that we see in this movie are some of the things that you lived through. I mean, that's deep. You know, that's what you're looking at each other because you know that's that's uh, you know it's kind of that. You know, I think I think playing a character. I've never. First of all, I never played a character three times before. This is the first. You know, and over the past eight nine years, you know, you know from 25, 26 till now, you know, I've 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 been able to grow as a man. You know, and Adonis has been able to kind of grow as 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 a man also. So being able to incorporate some personal things and things that happened in my life and and that's what acting is man you try to make it as relate, relatable and real as you can and when you have opportunity to pour a little bit of yourself into these characters you do that and we were able to blur the lines especially on this one as me directing uh you know so this is probably the most personal version of myself sure. in, in a character form so far if it feel it just feels like it works on so many levels with the rocky legacy with the creed legacy and mostly i was struck by the the Michael legacy hmm. with this and how how your life and career has exploded like this. So Jonathan, are, uh, how is he as a director? Was he just hell to work with, or he's the best? I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> trust me. I I heard you talk. I, yeah. I you're kidding. <laughs> when he coughed, he went bullshit. It's PG-13, isn't it? Uh, no, Mike is. Um, I mean, just to stick with the boxing metaphor, he's the best cut man. You know, he's a trainer and a cut man. You know, he's uh, he, he he lightly guides. You know, he he, he knows the opponent. He knows the scene. Hmm. Uh, he knows what it's going to take. You know, to get the scene. Uh, and he's also willing to say, okay, not follow your instincts. I need him on. I need him on the canvas. Do that thing you do. Go do that. You know, there were times where he said go. There were times where he said jab, just jab. You know, and so it was. It was a very nice uh, balance, you know, and and he had all my trust as you know, I I respect him as an actor, and uh, he understood. He understands this world better than um, probably anyone. Yeah, I could only imagine the kind of choreography and planning, Michael, that you must have put in to put this together and to choreograph these very intricate scenes that we're watching with this. Yeah, I mean. For sure. When it comes to the boxing, you know, definitely. You know, I think the time that I spent with uh, Jonathan and my, my stunt coordinator, Clayton Barber, and my and my, my, uh, my DP and my camera opera, a camera operator, you know, this is our third film working together. So we were able to really, really meticulously go through these fights and really talk to the heart. What story are we saying? What are we telling inside the ring? Like, that was its own uh, arc that we had to go through. And, um, and, and obviously influencing, um, using a lot of anime influence that I, I use to really make these fights feel different right. and have a different tone to it, along with the IMAX cameras, you know, the first sports film shot in IMAX. I didn't know that at the time, but everybody told me after we got finished, and I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. Uh, but being able to, all those ingredients, all those elements, you know, um, I, it's the most personal fight. You know, so it can't just be in them just throwing punches at each other. Who's going to knock out who? Right. Everything had to mean something. And, yeah. and as you have an intelligent fighter like Damien, who's a, is a tactician. You know, he's, he's a strategist. He yeah. plays chess. And yeah. Adonis is also. So when you have those two brains in there, mixed with the brawn and obviously and all the action stuff, it comes out to a, in the heart. It comes out to a lot uh, a fight that we haven't seen before. Yeah. So Jonathan, you're just having a year with, with devotion and Ant Man, and now this magazine dreams. Uh, oh my gosh! Right, I've only heard about that, but I've only heard how amazing it is. Um, how, how do you reflect on that? Not to mention, uh, you get to work with two of People Magazine's sexiest men uh, of the year, <laughs> and people are saying that you could be the next one uh, to go for that. 
How do I deal with it? <laughs> oh man, look, I, I, I'm I'm a country boy from the hood, man. It, it, it's just I keep it moving. You know, I'm I'm, I'm extremely grateful and uh, feel a huge responsibility. You know, to um, you know, my job was to make you know make Michael proud. You know, and and double down on his investment. You know, and also make my family proud and you know just live up to my fullest potential. So you know, all these things happening. You know, I I didn't make the schedule. Man, this, yeah, dude, this, this dude is so humble, man. He's having an incredible year, man. It, right? it's, it's, it's amazing to watch, you know. Right. And, and, and this is his year that, you know, um, all the hard work and all the dedication that, and, I, and it's that he's going to continue to have. This ain't going to change him. But it's, he's, put, he's on everybody's map now. And now now everybody's on notice. And they know that he's here. And and, and, I, and, I, and I'm and i proud to have a small part, small piece of the puzzle in, in, in his journey so far. And, and I can't wait to see all the amazing things he's getting yeah. to do. You know? Yeah, we are going to hear a lot about uh, Jonathan Majors. He is, he is a, a, a not a not a movie star. He is a serious actor, very serious actor. And we're gonna we, we've already seen him in some uh, amazing dramatic roles, and now an action movie with Ant Man and the Wasp, and now here with the new number one movie, uh, Apollo, or Creed uh, three. Uh, you know, you're you're gonna see amazing things from him. It's only just starting for him. And for Michael B. Jordan, uh, this just solidifies uh, his stature in, uh, you know, entertainment uh, as a, as an actor, as now as a director. He's one of the producers of this movie as well. He's only about 32 years old. He's just like a little baby and, uh, you know, just uh, completely taking over this whole thing. So congrats to them. I want to uh, take a quick break. And when I come back, just open up the phone lines. What's your favorite Rocky movie? Uh, very definitely for me, uh, the first one. I, that's one of those movies, if I see it on someplace, I will stop whatever I'm doing to watch the original Rocky. I love that movie for for all the boxing in it, but for the story that it tells about perseverance and uh, loyalty and so forth. Love it. Uh, I did love uh, the third movie. I loved the fifth movie. I liked the the first. I, I liked the Creed three very much. I gave it a good review, but I liked the the first Creed movie as well. What was your favorite? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Favorite character from somewhere in the the franchise? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. We'll get to that as our Dean's List A List interview continues. This one, uh, James Brown. James Brown. I forgot actually appeared in the movie Rocky IV. This was the one, uh, 1985, uh, taking on Drago. And if you remember, the Apollo Creed character, he was all red, white, and blue. Remember, the uh, the, the Rocky franchise began uh, during the bicentennial. Everything was all red, white, and blue. And he had this big, you know, the, the entrance into the ring uh, was this big, lavish, lavish number that included James Brown singing Living in America to, you know, throw it into the Russian fighter's uh, face. And one of the great, one of the great songs uh, from the Apollo, from the uh, Rocky franchise, rather. Uh, which ones were your favorites? 312-981-7200. And Claire, let's start off with you. Hi, you're on WGN. Hi, how you doing? Um I'm from Philly, and uh, my parents were raised right around the corner from the, the boxing ring. Um, but the meat market 
is not um, actors. They're, they were actually guys that worked as butchers, and my uncle was a butcher. Oh, how about that? Was he in the movie? Um, in the background. You can, I mean, only family can really yeah. tell. If you didn't but, know, you wouldn't um, know, right, yeah. No, I mean, but they weren't actors. They were all regular butchers. The actual guys that were um, up there, yeah. Yeah, so it, it obviously I, I like the Creed movies, but um, the first movie, the Rocky movie, was the best. Sure, must have must have brought back a million memories for you, I would think, uh, growing up. Yeah, those scenes, those scenes are are true Philly. That is, um, those are real. It's a, it sure felt that way. The couple of times that I've been to Philadelphia. Uh, people are very, very proud of all that, uh, you know. And of course, what, what's the building that Rocky runs up the stairs, you know, and does that? You know, kinda... well, it's the art. In, it's the art institute. That's the but, art institute. Okay. Um, the, uh, the Rocky, the Rocky statue has been moved um, off to the side, but they used to have it at the, the the top of the steps. And everybody would run up the stairs like Rocky did, right? Yeah, everybody ran up the steps, right? But, um, <laughs> yeah, Philly, Philly is Philly is known for a lot of things, uh, but uh, everybody likes the the Rocky movies. Sure. Do we do we have a, a decent cheesesteak sandwich here in Chicago at all? In your opinion? No, no, and <laughs> and there is and there is no hoagie that can beat a Philadelphia hoagie. Yeah, I I gotta say I've never had one in Philadelphia, so I can't judge. I'm going to take your word for it, though. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Patty, hi, you're on WGN. Hi, good morning. Morning. Yes, as soon as I heard you talking about the Rocky movie, it brought back fond memories. Every time I hear that theme song from the first movie, um, it reminds me of what I was doing at that time of my life. It was I believe in 79, and I live in central Illinois, and I was going to physical therapy school up in Waukegan. Oh, wow. And, you know, my husband and I were married, and I would leave on Sunday night, come back on Friday for a couple of years while we did that. And that theme was just, you know, my inspiration to get through the program and get through the distance relationship. And yeah, so whenever I especially see him running up the stairs and hear the music, it all, you know, brings it all back to me. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm talking about of great sports movies are really super great when they are about something other than the sport and hearing that hearing that music that's the music that whatever your job is whatever your uh, profession is that you got to run through adversity that that's what that movie really is about right you know the other thing is i mean i wasn't just a gifted student i mean nothing came just easy to me i had to study and so, you know, at that time in my life, I mean, physical therapy school was rigorous, and it, you had to apply to get in, and you had to prove yourself that you were right. going to make it. And so, it, yeah, it, I had to stay inspired and to get through the studies and the homework and the coursework and all. So it was very meaningful to me. Yeah, I'll bet. So the original movie for you, too, then, huh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. After that, they get kind of hokey. <laughs> The, the the plots thinned out after right around five yeah, and six yeah. they did thin out a little bit but the they were they were still fun to watch appreciate your call thank you very much and let's go to uh joan hi you're on wgn hi i called in because you know i remember as a little kid uh my parents taking me to the show to see a kitty movie but i saw on the billboard rocky three so i requested to see rocky three so I was calling to say Clubber Lane, a fighter, 
uh, in the movie from Chicago. His character was from Chicago. He was scary, Mr. T, before <laughs> we knew him in a different light, right? Right. So before before he was on A-Team, right. Right. And uh, just a force to be reckoned with. And so it really stuck out in my memory, Mr. T. Um, and being afraid for Rocky, literally, you know, watching this at the movies, that how is he going to fight this, you know, fighter from Chicago? Right. And I just thought, why not call in? Because... A lot of people forget that the character in the movie, he was a fighter from Chicago, Clubber Lane. Yeah, very, very definitely. Uh, I want to say maybe a month ago, a couple of months ago, something like that, Mr. T stopped by our WGN-TV morning news. Uh, he was in town promoting something. I forget what it was. And he, he walked through the our newsroom and said hello to everybody and signed autographs and took pictures. He could not be a nicer, more gentle uh, giant, really. Exactly. Uh, to exactly. to everybody, and now now that I'm I'm talking this out a little bit, I'm remembering he's uh, he's one. He's always been one for say no to drugs, and I, he's involved with programs now to keep kids in school, to keep kids off the street, uh, to stay away from you know the the perils that can uh, befall kids who you know don't have activities and things like that so he's really putting his notoriety and his fame now uh toward very, it shows very what a good po- yeah. actor he is because when he acted in rocky three you wouldn't get any impressions except uh, you know scary yeah fear <laughs> fear right exactly fear, right yeah well, so he, very interesting yeah. uh, character so i loved all the rocky movies and they're a big part of my life good and deal. still to this day i'll uh definitely watch all of them good deal i'm glad you called in joan thank you very much randy how about you real quick before we go to the news rocky one and the music uh, eye of the tiger oh the eye you know what i i just happened to have it's like one of the greatest songs of all time here we go uh-oh you got it uh-oh there you go give a big shout out to our pal jimmy peterick also one of the greatest songs of all time. The franchise has given us some fantastic songs. Appreciate the call, my friend. Thanks, Randy. Have a great day today. Uh, coming up after the news, what Chris Rock said on his special last night on Netflix. First time talking about Will Smith. We'll share what we can of that after heavy bleeping. Coming up in just a few minutes. Stick around. So next week is uh, the Academy Awards. Next Sunday, believe it or not. And uh, on our food show every year, for as long as we've been doing this Sunday show, on the Sunday of the Academy Awards, we always do a segment on food from the movies. And uh, always one of the you know the top uh, movies that people cite as their favorite is the spaghetti eating scene from Lady and the Tramp. You know which one I'm talking about, Twenty. I'll have to check that out again. You know where the they two share the spaghetti, right? Yeah, they the two dogs are eating spaghetti out of a plate, and they wind up eating the same strand of spaghetti till it winds up in a kiss. Oh yes, yeah. Okay, I was thinking more along the lines of the food scene in uh, Animal House. Well, with John Belushi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a zit. <laughs> the food fight. 
That boy is a P.I.G. pig. <laughs> I've got a little uh, John Belushi follow-up for you here in just a minute. We'll get to. Uh, before we uh, stray off too far, though, uh, Andy, uh, uh, a fellow uh, sports broadcaster uh, has uh, passed away that uh, you you wanted to uh, talk about today. Yeah. I hate I hate when I have to break these uh, these stories and talk about these stories. But uh, Dave Wills, who was a longtime Chicago guy from uh, Oak Lawn and Elmhurst College, did some White Sox games for a while. Uh, Dave passed away early this morning, according to his team. Now the Tampa Bay Rays, only fifty eight years of age. Wow. Uh, no cause of death has been uh, released at this point. But Dave, uh, one of those gregarious ca- uh, characters who was uh, larger than life. Uh, always had a smile on his face. Always had a uh, a, a word for you, whether it was uh, in joking or just uh, a serious word for you. But uh, one of the very talented broadcasters uh, in Major League Baseball that uh, that I have come across in my career, and uh, just an all around good guy. And unfortunately, he uh, passed away early this morning at the age of fifty eight. That's a it's a very very sad story uh, to share. Uh, I ha- had heard of him. I mean, he's. Uh, you know, fairly legendary mm-hmm. uh, major league broadcaster, and I've heard his name, and I never knew that he had uh, the Oaklawn, you know, Chicago connection uh, included in there as well. Yeah, he was with the White Sox broadcast. He did the uh, the pre and post while I was doing Cubs. He was my nemesis across town. Mm. Uh, he also did uh, UIC basketball while I was doing Loyola basketball. So we were always on opposite ends of things, but always managed to share a smile and. Uh, he was uh, with the White Sox when they won their World Series in 2005 and uh, moved on to the Tampa Rays after that. And uh, our condolences certainly to his friends here in the uh, in the area and his family and all those uh, listeners of uh, Rays baseball out in Tampa, St. Pete. Yeah, uh, a sad story to report this morning. And uh, 58 is way too young. Way too young. Way, way, way too young. All right, let's take a quick break here and we're going to uh, share uh, what we can of what Chris Rock said for the first time in public about Will Smith and the whole slapping incident. Uh, Chris Rock's uh, live Netflix special was uh, broadcast last night, was shown over Netflix live, and uh, after about 500 bleeps that we had to put into it, uh, we're going to share that with you when we come right back. Today, cryptically, is the anniversary of the death of John Belushi. Uh, it was on this day in 1982 that he was found dead of a drug overdose at the Chateau Mermont uh, Hotel in uh, Hollywood uh, on Sunset Boulevard. 33 years old. Uh, John Belushi was only 33 years old when he passed away and uh, gave us, wow, just uh, an amazing collection of performances. Not only, I mean, you know, Blues Brothers went on to be a, a major motion picture but uh, you know we we're just talking about animal house a minute ago he was fantastic in that uh so many great television roles uh, on saturday night live uh some of the most classic moments on saturday night live are john belushi moments and uh sadly uh we lost him uh 1982 on this day uh, John Belushi uh, passed away. Very sad. 1214 is the time. This is Dean Richards, Sunday morning on WGN. And last night, there was something uh, somewhat historic, I guess you might say, that took place on Netflix. Some of you may have watched the Chris Rock 
a live comedy special. Now, usually comedy specials that are on any of the streaming platforms were recorded months, if not years ago. And, uh, you know, the, the streaming platform, whichever one it happens to be, just, you know, broadcasts it live or, or rebroadcasts it from uh, previously recorded uh, quite a while ago. But last night, this Chris Rock special was uh, live uh, from uh, Baltimore. I believe it was from Baltimore. Uh, he had been out on tour and uh, he, uh, you know, I, I guess had been kind of testing the water a little bit about uh, talking about the Will Smith uh, slap. But he hasn't really talked about it in any public way. He hasn't gone on any talk shows. He hasn't, uh, you know, made, made it, really made a big issue of it. Chris Rock, uh, until last night, really has been fairly silent about one of the most historic moments ever in Academy Award history. The special last night was called Selective Outrage. Uh, I watched it. I'm a Chris Rock fan. It's really funny. It's really funny. Uh, It's really raunchy. It's really profane. Uh, The the, uh, small clip that we've got for you right now has something like, would you say 21 edits? Something like that. We had to bleep 21 things out of it uh, because, you know, of his use of... uh, the F-bomb and, you know, lots of other words that we can't uh, put on the radio here. But um, he did talk uh, in this special, which is called Selective Outrage. It's a, a very interesting title for this, where he talks about lots of things besides Will Smith. Uh, he talks about, you know, the world having selective outrage, how, you know, we can be outraged at one thing, but not outraged at the very same thing when it happens to somebody else. Selective outrage. It's, it's what I love about Chris Rock. He's so smart. I mean, it, he really makes some, some interesting and very profound points about society, the world that we live in, uh, the things that we get mad at, the things that we choose to ignore. He covers all of it. But finally, toward the end of this special last night, he finally got around to talking about Will Smith. Uh, not only Will Smith, but he kind of started it all off by talking about Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, who had been in all the entertainment reports for months before the Oscars uh, as um, someone who may or may not have had an affair with a friend of one of their kids. I mean, it was a little bit scandalous, all the all the talk and the gossip, which I, I I think was confirmed. I'm not honestly sure. So we'll just leave it at that, that it was gossip, I guess, that uh, Jada Pinkett Smith had been involved in some things that Chris Rock had spoken about in public. Uh, And Chris Rock picks it up last night. His wife was her son's friend, okay? Now, I normally would not talk about this, but for some reason, these put that on the internet.
somebody, he hurt me. Okay? Okay? And by the way, he does Everybody in the world called I tried to call Give him my condolences. He didn't pick up for me. Everybody called that man a and Charlemagne called him a Breakfast Club called him a and the view and the talk and every rapper and, and the drink champs called him a everybody called him a called his wife a predator everybody called him a Wow, <laughs> that's a lot of bleeping. I mean, I watched it without the bleeping. I watched it live on Netflix last night. I didn't. I guess I didn't even realize how much swearing there was. You don't notice it until it's it's all bleeping. But he he talked about in the special uh, how uh, you know he was a Will Smith fan. Uh, he you know went to see him when Will Smith was first starting out. And was so supportive of him and was so surprised that it happened. And then the slap happened. And, uh, you know, Chris Rock said that uh, now he goes to see the movie Emancipation, which Will Smith plays a a slave who is, you know, beaten and so so forth. He goes, now I go to see the movie Emancipation just to watch Will Smith get beaten up. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And he said, you know, people have, people asked Chris Rock, why didn't you hit back? Why didn't you fight back? Why didn't you, well, you know, why didn't you do something? And he said, because he was raised properly. He said that he didn't do it because he had parents. And he said his parents raised him properly. And if anything that his parents taught him was don't fight in front of white people. <laughs> and he drops the mic and walks off stage. It was a very funny special. Uh, so if, you know, if you want to check it out, it's streaming on Netflix, uh, right now. I'm sure I have no doubt it is the number one streaming anything that's on any of the platforms, uh, right now. Uh, I wish I had a beep sound I could uh, put in between some of my words, but it's WGN. Tomorrow I'll be talking with Woody Harrelson on the, uh, TV morning show. Got my Oscar predictions during the week, although I don't think it's going to be... Uh, a very climactic uh, Oscar show, unless there are you know some huge surprises, or somebody gets slapped in the face. Uh, you never know. That's what I said about last year. What a boring show this is. And then Will Smith showed up and changed everything for us. Uh, but it looks like this movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which has been dominating the award season, the Screen Actors Guild, the Golden Globes, uh, the uh, Producers Guild Awards, which is a very influential award that usually means the movie is going to go on to Oscar success. Last night at the Independent Spirit Awards, these are awards that are given out uh, for independent films. This It's kind of interesting now that the Spirit Awards started off as just a little small award ceremony years ago. 
there was almost a, a footnote. You know, never, nobody even paid attention to them because, uh, you know, people didn't really uh, get out to go watch independent films that much. But I think now because of streaming and so many options to watch movies, people are able to see some of the smaller movies, independent films, foreign films, uh, documentaries, etc., that, uh, you know, five years ago, ten years ago, uh, they just, you know, never would go to see. And frankly, the movie theaters didn't really play that much. I mean, this, it's always been a pet peeve of mine that here in the Chicago area, for movies like that, for smaller independent films, foreign films, documentaries, etc., you know, the, the, the non-mainstream films, there were like two theaters that showed uh, movies like that. And, you know, they were never convenient for at least half of the people because they almost always uh, were shown, like at the Music Box, at North Southport, North Side, or in Highland Park, uh, at the, the theater there, you know, North, North Suburban. So if you lived anywhere other than those two places, these theaters were not convenient to you at all. And now you can go on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, uh, Peacock, uh, you know, go down the list of all the streaming services that are out now, and you can watch anything, anytime, anywhere. Uh, or as this movie says, everything, everywhere, all at once is how you can watch these independent movies. So anyway, my point was that this movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which has been dominating the awards season, uh, did the same last night at these independent spirit awards uh, ceremony that took place. It not only won for best feature, but it won for every single category for which it was nominated. Won eight different awards. Uh, the directors of the movie, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinhardt, uh, took best directing honors. Uh, they also took the award for best screenplay. They wrote the movie. Uh, in uh, For these uh, spirit awards, they don't have actor-actress awards. They have non-gender uh, categories for the acting awards. So there was a Best Lead Performance Award, which was given to Michelle Yeoh from the movie. And for Best Supporting Acting, the award went to Ki Hu Quang, also from the movie, of course. And uh, uh, they have a category called Best Breakthrough Star, given to Stephanie Hugh from the movie, and it also took Best Editing. So uh, it looks like, I mean, every indication that we that we keep an eye on uh, leading up to the Academy Awards is sure pointing to everything, everywhere, all at once to have a record-breaking night, uh, which you know will, will be interesting, and I guess deservedly so. I liked the movie. Honestly, I didn't love it the way a lot of people are loving this movie. I liked it. It was very different. It was very inventive uh, and uh, creative. Not sure what I would have picked in, instead. I mean, part of me... Part of me says that as as a as a movie making uh, adventure, you can't come close to Top Gun Maverick this year uh, for for pure movie making excitement on all levels. Uh, you know, so that's you know, my my sort of uh, taste. I, I guess I'm I'm not sure that I would pick that as uh, the the best movie of the year, but uh, it sure looks like it's going to be everything, everywhere, all at once 
which you know when something is so obvious kind of takes the uh, excitement out of watching the show unless there are some big surprises or as i say somebody getting smacked in the face which is always a, a crowd pleaser uh so coming up after the twelve thirty update of news we're going to get into our food time show give you a little preview of what i'm going to be cooking on tv this week uh also oscar related we always talk about uh food from the movies food scenes from the movies uh i picked out a couple of things and i haven't quite decided what i'm going to cook on tv this week so maybe you can help me with that uh you know what oscar sunday is next week one week from today and uh, i don't remember what year i want to say maybe 1995 96 on on oscar sunday is when we did our very first food show ever uh so it's kind of you know it's uh, oscar sunday is the anniversary of our food show and the topic that we did that day was uh food from the movies food scenes from the movies which we'll get into uh, more next week because it's an annual tradition to you know to do on uh, actual oscar sunday but uh this coming wednesday on my cooking segment on uh, wgn tv on the tv morning news i am going to be doing uh, some food from the movies. I've got it narrowed down to like two or three uh, different things. I want to do you know a, a food which is uh, you know from a famous movie. It's got, so it's got to be from a movie. It's got to be you know super delicious, super easy to make. <laughs> Something I can make in four minutes on television. No, just kidding. I mean, there's a, a you know prep work we can do ahead of time, but I have to be able to show the steps in four minutes. So I'm th- thinking about a couple of things. Um, I imagine many of you have seen the movie Ratatouille. And uh, I haven't done a Ratatouille in a long time, which is basically a vegetable um, casserole, I guess you might say, with the zucchini and eggplant and carrots and onions and potatoes. Uh, so I might do a Ratatouille in honor of that movie. I uh, might do... I'm thinking about doing the Big Kahuna Burger from Pulp Fiction. Uh, Burger Royale, (laughs) as they put it. With cheese, exactly. With cheese. Uh, You know, I don't know. It's a a burger. So I don't know if that's not... Is that too simple? Doesn't everyone know how to make a burger? I don't know, but maybe. But anyway, it's like a, a classic food scene from a movie. So I might do the Big Kahuna Burger. And what I really want to do, and I'm trying to decide if it's too complex or not, is I want to make a dish which is featured in one of my favorite movies of all time, period, but certainly my favorite food movie of all time, which is called The Big Night. The movie is from 1996, stars two of my favorite actors, Stanley Tucci, Stanley He Can Do No Wrong Tucci, in my book. He's great. Uh, and also Tony Shalhoub. They play brothers who open a little Italian restaurant in Brooklyn and nobody's coming to the restaurant. They need to find some ways to, uh, you know, get some attention to get people to come to the restaurant to uh, enjoy this fantastic food. Many driver stars in the movie. Who else is in uh, The Big Night now? Not remembering. But uh, t- the, Tony Shalhoub is the chef 
uh, brother. And he is, you know, like a perfection kind of chef. And he creates, they, they, they create the spectacular dinner, trying to draw some attention to the restaurant, which features a dish called timpano. Uh, timpano is an Italian dish. It's also called timbale in uh, some recipes. But it is a dish that is cooked in a, like a dome-shaped uh, pan, maybe like a, like a wok, I guess you would cook it, maybe in a wok, that uh, starts off with a layer of, uh, you, you, can, you can put pie crust, or some people just put uh, pasta as the first layer. And then for the next layer, they put chicken. The next layer, they put sausage. And for the next layer, it's, you know, it's one different layer after another until the dome-shaped pan. And you know, also, you mix uh, egg into the mixture also, into the pasta. So when you have this dome-shaped pan filled, and you put it in the oven, and you bake it, uh, and then when it's done, you take it out of the oven, you let it cool a little bit, and you turn it upside down on a platter. And if you cooked it right, the whole thing should have set together. And now you should have this upside down, dome-like shape of pasta, egg, chicken, sausage, etc. cetera, uh, that you cut like a cake. You cut slices out of it like a cake. And you can see each layer that's inside the timpano. That's what I really want to make. And I just think it would take me 17 hours to actually do it. <clears throat> it's, a, it's, a, it's a long process. I know that it is. And I can, I'm willing to do the long process at home <clears throat> and you know, show the finished product on TV. Um, not sure, I'm not sure how that would translate. I'm a little worried about that. Uh, so, you know, certainly making a big kahuna burger would be a lot easier <laughs> on Uncle Dean. Uh, so I'm going to give that some thought, but maybe you have some ideas <clears throat> of, of, you know, fa- food from the movies that you think I would be able to take on and cook on television this coming Wednesday. Because I may go do my shopping today or, you know, tomorrow, something like that for all of this. So I'm, I haven't decided yet. I'm going to let you help me decide uh, what I'm going to do on TV. 312-981-7200 is uh, the telephone number. We'll look for some texts on this, 312-981-7200. And um, oh, we already have some suggestions here. Very interesting on the text line. And we always uh, we also have a couple of phone lines uh, ringing. And uh, let's go to Kathy up first at 312-981-7200. You are on WGN. Hello, Kathy. Hello, Uncle Dean. You could make a grilled cheese sandwich sound delicious with the way you describe making a dish. Unbelievable. I'm just sitting there getting very hungry just from that description you gave. First of all, I love I, that movie. I did do uh, it. I did do movie. I did do the recipe in my sultry voice to make it extra delicious. Oh, yeah, it was very delicious. sultry. It was oh, right. it was just so sultry. All I needed so was like some I, saxophone could, music in the background to really <laughs> right. sit, 
Right, right, and you could you could make a grilled cheese sandwich sound sultry, really. But um, I I I was I'm just coming from church on the way home, and I was thinking I, I didn't know if you've done this before, but you know how everybody says what is the best Chicago pizza, yeah. and uh, you know everybody tries different pizzas. I'm wondering about the pepper and egg, the pepper and egg oh. sandwich for Lent. Yeah, you know I'm wondering it, it like what is the best pepper and egg sandwich in chicago the huh. best p and e as they call it p and e, <laughs> p and, e. And, when you're uh, when you're too busy to say the actual words <laughs> right right that's kind of the thing and everybody's like what's p what is that p and e p and e that's pepper and egg sure. i know a lot of like that franny's in on uh, river road i think it's schiller park they have you know great food but they also have a really nice pepper and egg and i'm sure everybody has comments about uh, you know because it's you know, you could eat it on Fridays. It just shows up on Friday. It's sort of a specialty. So, right. um, yeah. I know. So I, I know. I, uh, I saw. I saw some publicity. They sent me some press releases that uh, Portillo's apparently for the first time is offering P and E. So, no, they've, they've had it before. Have they? I've, I've had. Yes, they have had it because I've had it previous years. Yeah. And and at school, our secretaries um, would order it. They would take orders, and then every Friday in Lent, they would you know go to a different place. And so we kind of try to pick out which one we liked best. Right. But um, yeah, so um, it's, it's kind of a yeah. You know. So I mean, I'm, I'm looking for something from a movie, but I love your idea though. Because I know. I know. It yeah, is. Just in the it's, future. it's no. It's perfect for for Lent, right? Uh, right, you know, right. Uh, a, a great recipe for uh, pepper and eggs. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, is <laughs> isn't pepper and eggs basically uh, scrambled eggs with some green pepper in it? Yeah, um, with, yeah, little pieces of green pepper. Yes. Yeah, and then it's usually. Why do you think it should be called? Are you thinking it should be called egg and pepper? No. <laughs> I don't Are think the egg is getting the its order of the. I don't think the egg is getting its proper proper credit. You know, yeah, but you just said you were tired of eggs with the with the with the price of eggs these days. It should get first right. billing. No, I'm just I'm just right. wondering. Uh, I'm I'm just saying that uh, you know it's it's uh, it's scrambled eggs and peppers usually on some Italian bread, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it sounds and, and delicious. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Portillo's might have done it with a croissant. Oh, really? With the, I think they might have. I'm trying to remember from last year, because I try to have something different every Friday, yeah. but I do love the pepperoni. Yeah, I'm not sure how crazy I am about the croissant. I, I like the old school Italian no, bread. No, no. Like a nice, right, right. The, nice, the, yeah. Yeah, nice crusty Italian bread. Yes, that's it's that's the best. That's the best. Sir, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Somebody uh, on our text line is suggesting. Let me see here from the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding, roasted feta oh, yeah. bo- roasted feta cheese with olives and red peppers. Oh, a- anything with feta cheese is it's okay by me. Yeah, you got that. I'm, I, I'm, with I, you I'm not Greek, but uh, I, I, I'm not Greek, but I love Greek food, um, and I love Greek people, and I love Greek people who make Greek food. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lucky for me. The yeah, uh, there you, go. <laughs> um, you know what? You know what I could do. You know that scene from my big fat Greek wedding where where she tells her aunt Vula. 
Oh, uh, Ian is a vegetarian. He doesn't eat meat. And then Aunt Vula, <laughs> Aunt Vula goes, you don't eat meat. That's okay. I make lamb. <laughs> maybe I can do that. Maybe maybe I can make some lambs, a lamb something or other. from, the, from the, Right. Or... Or a boot cake. A boot cake. Bun, a cake with bun, a hole in it. Bunt. Bunt. In a cake, Mori. Right, then she puts the plant in she the middle the of the geranium. hole of the boot yeah, cake. Yeah, she puts the geranium in the bun cake. That, yeah, yeah. what maybe a bun cake would be a funny idea. That, that's something. There you go. All right, well, you gave me a couple of things to work with. And uh, okay, you know what? Maybe we can do like a pepper and egg thing. After we get done with the Oscars, because I love that idea. It's a good idea. Kathy, I appreciate your call, and I hope you have a great day today. I love the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, Joe, how are you doing? You're on WGN. Good, good. Uh, Nice to hear your voice, and always enjoy your program on Sundays. Thank you. And uh, I'm reading Stanley Tucci's new book Mm. called Life Through Food. And Tim Pato is on page 100. Oh, really? And it serves 12 to 16, and portions (laughs) can be adapted to fit a smaller or larger container. Does it look super complicated? Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's what I was afraid Uh, of. Yeah. They have a a part of it is the recipe for the dough, then preparing the pan, the pan, and then uh, for the filling, uh, three pounds of zita, cooked very al dente. Two tablespoons of olive oil, yeah. eight cups of ragu at room temperature, four cups of Genoa salami, four cups of sharp uh, provolone cheese at room temperature, <laughs> and uh, 12 hard-boiled eggs. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Quartered. If I remember right, they, they quarter them and they place them mm-hmm. throughout the mixture so when the whole thing bakes together that uh, you, you find a, a little slice you know that cheeseburger that the Kahuna burger is sound better every minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a wonderful uh, book, sparkled with uh, recipes and references to the Big Night and other movies that yeah. he enjoys. Yeah, I'll... and uh, where he finds different restaurants, and when he did Julia and Julie with the Meryl right, Streep, right, right, and a little side trip to a local restaurant was a real shocker. I can't go on the radio with the details, but they were served something that they thought was going to be a, a petite sausage. Yeah. Oh. Within the ET. Yeah. Oh, it was. They got what they got was quite a shock. Was I can only and, imagine what that. Was. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the uh, owner came by to see if they were satisfied, and they said, "No, this wasn't what we were expecting." <laughs> and uh, Merrill is quoted as saying. She had a taste, and it had a barnyard taste to it. <laughs> so, so then they said, well, would you like something else? And they said, how about omelets? Yeah, can't go wrong with a, hey, pepper and egg sandwich. What the heck? Oh, I just had that last week at a place uh, uh, in uh, Dollars Grove, and it was a little place called Eagle's Restaurant. Okay. And taped the window, because it's that time of year, it said uh, eggs and pepper. And we went in there, my wife and I, and it was delicious. Yeah. It was. I always laugh at these places when I get a uh, an omelet or an egg and pepper sandwich. I always like to ask them, "How many eggs are in this?" 
because right. it looks like there's a half a dozen eggs, and right. they look at me with a straight face, and they say, oh, that's only one egg. <laughs> <laughs> they must did. be a very big egg. That's a big chicken that, that must have had that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Dean, love you for all the years. Thanks, We've been man. listening to you. Enjoy you quite a bit. Appreciate and, it. Uh, please uh, keep up the good work and, uh, and, and bring Swanee along, too. There you go. We'll drag him along whether he wants to come or not. Appreciate the call. Okay. Thank you, uh, Joe. And, uh, yeah, we'll get some more calls in a second, some more ideas uh, of what I'm going to cook on TV. Uh, it's got to be, you know, food from the movies, a, a, a recipe or a food scene from a movie. Let's see if we can squeeze in a couple of more what should I cook on TV this coming Wednesday calls. Mike, how are you doing there, my friend? Dean, good to talk to you, my friend. I thought you might like to do a Chicago theme about the Blues Brothers, where they had uh, flying salads, and also first Bueller's Day Off, where they built a set around the same restaurant mm. in Chicago. Yeah. You remember the restaurant I'm, on the Gold Coast there? I'm writing these down now. Uh, what was that called? The... Fr- uh... Shez Paul. Shay Paul, that's right. Yeah. How much for the girl? I know, right? <laughs> so I thought the fried potato salad that was seen thrown everywhere <laughs> would be an excellent, excellent recipe for you to do, not only for the theme of the movies, but also to showcase Chicago. Chicago as well, sure. Uh, you know, the famous Dan Aykroyd uh, line from the Blues Brothers. You know, how we always, yes. I'll, just, I'll just have toast, plain toast. There, that's my recipe. Plain toast, that was it. That's my recipe, plain, what's plain salad toast. salad here? What's this salad? He was throwing things everywhere. He's like, what's this? <laughs> but fried potato salad, and you can find it on Google. Yeah, there's a couple of good choices Just there. Ball, fried potato salad, and you could be that French guy. <laughs> You know, Ferris Bueller and the Blues Brothers. I'm going to I'm going to think about that. That's a couple of good ideas. Mike, thank you for the call. And Maria, let's wrap things up here. What do you have for us today? Hi, Dean. So enjoy your show. Thank you. I always go back to that movie and it's an old movie, maybe 15 years. Babette's Feast. Oh, yes. (laughs) Remember when she started adding garlic to food and it kind of woke up everybody's taste where they were just eating look like gruel all the time so anything with garlic count me in feast yeah oh yeah i'm i'm the same way i i went crazy with some some garlic and uh i i roasted a couple of garlics i had like three cloves of garlic so i just cut off the ends i i you know sprinkled a little olive oil in them and i baked them for a little while and then you squeeze. That makes your house smell so good. Oh, it's like the greatest <laughs> smell ever. I I put a little behind my ears. I'm not going to lie, you know, just to <laughs> because so I could walk around with that lovely smell. Uh, somebody suggested uh, the scene from Moonstruck where Olympia Dukakis is making the eggs with, uh, you know, the the egg inside of the 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 bread. I forget what that's called. There, yes, yeah, we grew up, and my mother used to call those dodo balls. Dodo balls. The little round circle you'd get. Yeah, you cut And when out. my mother's back was turned, because we were raised Catholic, we would pretend that was the host. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> but that's, that, that's, a, that's not a bad suggestion. Uh, let's see here. There's, yeah, we've got some decent uh, suggestions online. So I'm going to figure something out, and whatever it is, we'll cook it this coming Wednesday. 
on uh, the WGN-TV Morning News. I hope you have a wonderful day, Maria. Thank you. Thank you, and enjoy your program so much, and you, Dean. That's Thank you. very, very nice of you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, so we'll be with Bob Surratt Monday through Friday, as always, between 8 and 8.30 with entertainment and WGN-TV Morning News.